Hello and welcome to your favorite uh, multi-billion dollar movie studio. I'm your CEO, Sergio, here today with Chief Financial Officer, Matt. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am keeping track of all the money. And boy, howdy, there's a lot more money to be made. Did you know? Is casting director, Jake. I'm not cashing any white people. I'm sorry. As well as public relations director, Michael. Hello, insert pronoun here. All right. So what we are doing today is that you there in the audience, we have a task assigned for you. You are going to adapt Thing, our most important product. Yes. Thing is what we make the most amount of money off of. And you know what that means? We need to make more money off of it. There's already an existing fan base, which means if we adapt Thing into different media type, it can make more money. Thing can always make more money. It doesn't matter. Make thing a movie. Now, listen here. Um, uh, aspiring screenwriter. There are some questions that uh, you need to ask yourself before you adapt thing. <clears throat> Why are you doing this? Are you doing it for money? Are you doing it to fame? Could you not get your own original idea off the ground so you decided to co-opt an existing IP? Are you trying to gaslight Jeff Smith into thinking he gets a cartoon? Are you trying to push your own agenda? Or do you hate the franchise that we've given you? Do you hate Thing? Can you not stand Thing? You think Thing is offensive and you want to run it into the ground? Or you think it's bad and you want to, get, to, to, to change it into something that you yourself like? If, if any of those things are true, get out of here. As financial no, advisor, out of my as financial advisor, I must, I must admit, we can also use thing to push company mottos and social virtues. This can net us even more money. Potentially, yes. Now, another question. Have you watched, read, played, or seen thing? If you haven't seen Thing, is a member of your team uh, seen Thing? Did you read the Wikipedia plot summary? Did you skim it? Did you really read it? Did you go on the, fa the fan wiki? The fan wiki and the fan and wiki. Uh, you should always adapt all media from things you learned on the fan and wiki. <clears throat> Don't forget to use fan art and not credit them and also make money off of it. What are they going to do? Sue you? Damn. Yeah, but, you think you think that they could have original ideas? <laughs> you no. get a load of this guy, guys. Oh my no. fucking god. Now, if you don't know about Thing, we most we, we we should probably not give it into your cap incapable hands. The last question, Oof. the third the third major umbrella question. Do you genuinely care about Thing? Do you want to make the fans of Thing happy? If you do, welcome aboard. 
You've got the job. I'm so proud of you. I knew you could do it, buddy. You still have to make money, though. You still have to make us a lot of money, though, which is why you need to determine what uh, form of adaptation you are using for thing. There are many types of adaptation. Um, Make a movie. The first is the the movie. Movies are perfect Ah. for uh, shorter form uh, uh, stories like books. Um, You can turn a book into a movie. Sometimes you can turn one book into two movies. Um, things like 80 hour video games should probably not be smashed down into movies. Or three movies. If you are Peter Jackson. Yes. <laughs> um, a TV series, uh, is perfect. If, if thing is huge, very huge, very big, um, big, 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 uh, they're true. Therefore big. Um, you can have more characters in a TV adaptation than you can a movie. Um, in a in a two hour thirty minute movie, there's kind of like a limit to how many characters you can have, where it starts getting a little like crowded. But on a TV series, you can have a lot of characters because you have episodes. Um, and TV series should be uh, reserved for, like I said, long form stories where if you had to make it into a movie, you'd have to cut like a lot of things out. But a TV series, you'd have to, you know, you can. You can spread things out and you don't have to cut as much out. Then there's animation, uh, which the great thing about animation is that the things that you can put in it are only limited by your imagination or your drawing ability. Um, And you don't have to worry about hiring thousands and thousands of actors. You just have to to hire a team of overpaid animators that you're going to pay. um, I mean, overworked animators. Overworked, uh, buddy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Overpaid, overworked. I know we were were doing this whole corporate bit, but those guys are extremely underpaid and overworked. Well, yeah, that's why we're going to underpay underpay them less or underpay them more. We're going to pay them pennies on the hour. And we're going to work them 100 hours a day, obviously. We're also going to export it out to third world countries so they don't have labor laws. Yes. We're going to chain the pens to their hands. It's going to be like an Amazon fucking warehouse in the United States. The budget for Broly, the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie, is like... Half a season of Family Guy in terms of budget, probably less. If if you want to, if you want an apt comparison, the entire season of High Guardian Spice was on the budget of what would basically be one American episode. That explains a lot. Yeah, anime budgets that are very tiny. No, I mean it explains that there's a lot of sort of choppy animation in that show. Yeah. 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 All right. So, aspiring screenwriter, you have probably decided on the format that you're going to use to adapt thing. Uh, uh, Sir, 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 I'm I'm your adapter. Um, um, thing is, I I haven't read thing. I haven't I I I haven't looked at the Wikipedia, but thing looks really silly. Um, can can I can I can I change it? I I I mean I I think I, I I think I can make the thing thing. Um, yeah. So look, um, Chudley screenwriter, if you're making whatever the the movie about thing, 
There's a little thing called suspension of disbelief. If you've got magic and you've got wizards and you've got the craziest things imaginable, why in your like why can't you think that audiences wouldn't be able to believe, I don't know, um, a character wears bright yellow spandex and wears a sombrero? You see this a lot in the des in the designs of early uh, superhero adaptations, um, where character designs get changed completely to be more realistic. Oh, no one's going to believe that. No um, one wants to see the X Men in their in their yellow and blue spandex. Let's give them leather BDSM outfits. This is going to be a controversial statement with Jacob. I think the an example of this being done well is the web shooters being taken away from Spider-Man from Sam Raimi's trilogy. Damn. I mean, I think the uh, the organic web shooters are fine. I just think his, his not his excuse, but his justification on it is a bit silly. Maybe his justification is a bit silly, but I think this, we'll, we'll cover this more later, but I think an adaptation is actually a very good chance to iron out uh, certain inconsistencies in the original. I've always thought that if Peter Parker was smart enough to come up with web shooters, he would also be smart enough to somehow in some way make a device normal people could use to produce and manufacture them and then become literally just a giant business mogul from like 17 years old. But business people are bad. That's what comic yeah. books tell me. Yeah. Also, he would have to patent them under his name and then they'd be like, hey, why does this guy have the Spider-Man shit? Yeah, not to so, mention, with he, great power he, comes great responsibility. Do you really want robbers to be robbing people with web shooters? That too. Why don't you just give store owners giant web shooters that immobilize everybody in the room at the drop of a hat, and then nobody also, can get hurt? Also, until you do realize hurt. that not only the defense industry, but also the, the engineering industry actually researches spider cells yes. because it's amazing. Yes, the material applications are insane. Just just from a general perspective, I've always found the web shooters really, really silly from a logical standpoint of a high schooler knowing how to make them. So that's that's I, my view on it, but I don't want to labor it too much. I'd also, I, I wouldn't file web shooters under this definition because it's, while, yeah, it's technically changing the design of the character, it's still, like, like, you didn't make Spider-Man not shoot webs. He still shoots webs whatever he shoots them out of like it's like it's it's minor it's not something to get up in arms about it's not like yeah this is my version of spider-man uh he's just a spider it's just like he's not he's like like he he, he is a spider -y. he's just literally Man. a spider that's eight inches yes. in length yeah it's, it's my it's my main man spider's man hmm. i suppose i suppose yes now, <clears throat> sometimes changing the designs uh, are just necessary in a live-action format to be more workable. Sometimes the design is a little too complicated, especially for a stuntman to wear. Uh, for example, in The Mandalorian, uh, they made Ahsoka's Montrals uh, shorter because the much longer Montrals she canonically have would uh, get in the way of... Um, the stunt person doing all of the fighting, you could just say, oh, why didn't the bowl? Well, they could have just CGI'd them. And yeah, that is also a good point. But you can see where the, the compromise had to be made of, well, we want to keep things practical and don't have to be CGI'ing all of these times. 
these things all the time because they're expensive so we just kept them short yeah there's a good example of that with lord of the rings and the um the initial adaptations for films with the lord of the rings were actually animated because you couldn't make live action lord of the rings films convincingly for decades after their creation yeah the I've ralph seen, I've, seen the films, I've seen the hobbit uh animated movie yeah they also animated the actual lord of the rings itself with ralph bakshi's i'm, I'm not sure if he did the hobbit too yeah, those uh, but, uh, those original Hobbit movies are technically anime because they were outsourced in Japan. Mm, that's not that's not really the definition of it though, because a lot of American animation studios outsource animation to allow Stop the bit. Your brain. Stop being woke. Allow the bit. Go, go uh, if you ever go to a Colossal Con, uh, go to Manly Battleship's panel on Rankin Bass on how they basically just j- j- just peddled anime to to to, to the U.S. Yeah, shout nice. out, sh- shout out to Mr. Panda of Miss the Manly Battleships. True G. Look, guys, I'm just saying mm-hmm. that, like, you know, what you know, what if I really like Thing, but I want to do a different story within Thing, but like, you know, I, you know, like, but hold, hold on, wait, wait, hold on, Michael. I came here to watch Thing. Are you telling me that you're going to? You're gonna tell me I'm getting thing, but you're gonna sell me thing. Now, hold on, hold on, sir. Hold on, sir. It, it's still thing. See, we still have man doing thing, and then with woman thing. He still yeah, he still, still does the oh, thing. We still have the protagonist of thing. We we're just not focusing on the protagonist of thing. Yeah, but I, I mean, he, he's, in, he's there in the background. Yeah, let's but, make it. Let's make not one but two hitman movies but, where he's not even really the protagonist. Or you know, I guess you know, um, we could just uh, give funds to somebody who doesn't care about a very successful animated toy franchise about uh, a man being he, and uh, you know, we don't even we don't even we advertise it as man of he, but you know, we don't even focus on it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. We 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 had a um, man of thing lose his thing, so he so he can't be man of thing. Then then we gave it to somebody else. It could be boy of thing now, or or girl of thing. Or 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 hear me out. Hear me out. Dog of thing. Dog of thing. Dog of thing. Moon Knight more like Moon Dog. It's an Airbud sequel. (laughs) There has to be a Moon Dog somewhere. There's no way there isn't. Tell me there is Um, somewhere. So uh, this is what we call the old bait and switch. Uh, the perfect example of this is uh, Kevin Smith's He-Man uh, franchise, franchise uh, two-season Netflix show, in which in the first two? episode, yeah, uh, yes, yes, it got a second season, uh, in which the uh, main character uh, He-Man uh, defeats Skeletor and they both die, and then the series immediately pivots towards uh, uh, Tila. Um, and Tila is the main character, and she shits all over He-Man because he went and uh, saved the world and died, and she uh, is very mad that he did that because he abandoned her. Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? And then in the second season, uh, the, uh, He-Man's uh, his I, I can't remember his alter ego. Uh, he decides not to become He-Man anymore because Tila is the best ever. And at the end of the series, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just going to be Prince such and such. I don't need to Prince be Adam. He-Man." Tila, you're the best. Yeah, Adam. And look, yeah, it's... it's fine if you want to make a Tila cartoon, but the show should be called Tila of the Master of the Universe 
and not He-Man, uh, well, to, Masters of the to Universe. Be fair, to be fair, to throw them a bone, it wasn't He-Man, Masters of the Universe, it was Masters of the Universe Revelations. There was no He-Man in the title. Yes, but, but the advertisement heavily showed He-Man being that, oh, and they were like, because oh, like rumors came out that it wasn't going to be about He-Man. They're like, no, 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 no. He-Man's going to be the focus of everything. And no, that's not, that's, that's not what the show was. Yeah, so be smart. Don't advertise. Don't advertise uh, thing and then pivot to be about uh, child of thing dog. Just because people are going to be there for what you advertise it. If you advertise something, let's say for example, I don't know something that's top like the like a, an adaptation of Avatar, for example, and you don't even advert like you don't like you advertise it as this adaptation of Avatar, but you don't even really focus on what made the show good and instead pivot to something that's entirely separate from what people are there for people are not going to be very happy you you gave me uh uh you gave me an avatar show that's about um Sokka and Aang is not that would in be it. fire in that would be fire it that would, would be, be fire, fire to be fair I was thinking a Sokka series would be great but it should be called uh Sokka and not avatar the last airbender Okay, that's fair. Avatar Sokka. I'm, 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 I'm imagine if you Sokka. booted up the new God of War game and Kratos died in the first five minutes and it said you just played as Atreus. Honestly, that wouldn't like be impossible at this point, just knowing the lore of how the games have progressed. But uh, that's yes, but in the game that. entitled God of War that was advertised to you as you playing as Kratos, the God of War... And then he just dies in the first five minutes and you play as someone else. That would be like if you were playing The Last of Us and they killed Joel and... Wait a minute. Play whoa, as his murderer. whoa, whoa, Too far. They would never okay. do that, okay? But yeah, consider the following. Consider the following. What if we advertise a show with fan favorite character and then do a character assassination like throughout the series? And then, you know, just for, just for shits and giggles, we put our popular show just like two episodes wedged in there. Okay, fine, fine. I can't bait and switch. I can't do my own thing. That was the that was but, that was the book of the daimyo of Mos Espa, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the book of Fennec Shang. I can't bait and switch, but I I want to make many things. I, I want to make, you know how guy. The, the guy adaptation they made 10 guy adaptations i want to make 10 thing adaptations no i like no. i know thing makes us money but thing won't make us money for everybody come on i want to make 10 things yeah what is thing you have enough content universe? in this 20 page book to make 10 movies out of no but i can add 20 pages of my own original script in each movie no shut the fuck up get out of here get the fuck out of here you're grounded <laughs> all right so here's what i call i don't know i don't know what i would call this but we all remember a little movie called harry potter and the deadly hallows and if you've ever taken a look at, at the deadly hallows it is a massive book it's it's quite a chonker and the filmmakers reasonably were like all right we can't take fucking 600 pages and cram them into two hours it would do a disservice to the story we are going to split it into two parts. And both parts did really well. One of the biggest movies of their time. Now, when it came came around for other YA series to do theirs, they were like, oh, 
Harry Potter did it. Let's split our last book into two why parts. Don't, why don't we take the shortest Hunger Games book and then make it two books or two movies? Yes. The the books that they did this to um, were not long enough to fill the time. And when you aren't nearly as good of a writer as the maker of the source material, and you have to come up with your own ideas, your own filler content, um, the results could be a little eh, mixed. Especially where you decide to split this already tiny book into two parts. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of part one, part two series, like movies. I understand like the significance of them and that they can work sometimes like Infinity War and Endgame. But like you also have to put into perspective that people are going to be waiting basically for part two. And that is like it's like if, if someone were to see part two out of context, like I did for the Deathly Hollows, I am just getting half of a movie. Yeah. I think it depends on how you do the adaptation, though. Like, I would say Endgame is its own movie, pretty much entirely. Dude, I don't even consider it a movie. It's an event. Eh, yeah, in some ways. But, like, Infinity War and Endgame, I think, are actually very distinct. I think, um... I, I think this example can also apply to not just movies, but, like, um, something that Matt and I love talking about. Anime. Yes. Where they're oh. like, oh, we need to we need to let the the writer write more chapters so we don't catch up. Let's make some filler, and then they make like the most fucking cringe, boring ass arc, like forty episode arc of all time in a row. Naruto, Naruto and Bleach. Mm-hmm. Man, I sure do love making an anime while the manga is popular, and then running out of source material to work with course in fairness they don't really make them to make them good they make them to have the show continue going what they'll often do in the case like with a long-running shonen is they will have the b team or their interns just do the filler shit and then they'll have the a team the good team doing the actual canon shit as it's coming out hmm. yeah okay well i mean mm-hmm. go ahead michael yeah, it, it all depends on a lot of the uh, the situations that are arise. There's a lot of context that requires mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and in 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 actuality, I would say filler in an, an in the anime sense is very unique in that it's literally non-canon additional material almost all the time. So it's it's actually very healthy to do that so they can properly adapt the real canon core material. You want to see a bad anime adaptation? Look at one piece. The One Piece anime for the first like two or three hundred episodes, maybe even four or five hundred episodes is actually quite good with being at a reasonable pace with the manga. But if you go to today where the One Piece anime is, it adapts like half of a chapter per episode. You should adapt like three chapters of manga per episode, depending on the content of the chapters. So they are really fucking stretching the source material now in the adaptations. So I think. I think there's there's some balance with a, a special case of adaptation, but let's not belabor that point too much. Where what do we need to talk? About? Well, I mean, I think the next thing we need to talk about is how you talk to others, right? 
like we we signed you up for thing. You look like you're a pretty good fit now that we've ironed out the kinks and uh, hammered in our point. Sergio, yeah. uh, what what should we do next? Uh, yeah, well, the next thing to do is uh, get a. Uh, uh, get get in touch with uh, the the news media to start doing interviews, start doing a press tours, and what you need to do is tell the the fans something that you need to re need to reassure them. We need to make sure th- that that their thing is in the right hands. So we definitely shouldn't do things like oh, I don't know, say thing is bad, say thing is outdated, uh, that thing sorry, needs to be sorry. updated for modern standards. Sir, I already missed him. I already talked to BNN. Okay, what oh, you did you say to BNN? Well, well, they asked me um how much I liked the source material, and and I was honest. I I told them I I had never heard of him. And God and then life. they said um, and and then uh and and then uh, well they asked why I, why we're adapting thing because they they think thing isn't very good, and I said well uh, I don't think that matters. I don't think it matters that thing is bad. I've never seen it. Why do you sound like Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> What's the deal with adaptations? What's the deal with anime? Oh, and I also you told didn't... them all the fans stink. I don't like them. I see them at oh, cons. Wow. They spell. Did you call them racist? Sergio, Sergio shoot him again. Yes. Sergio, Sergio shoot him of again. Did you call them transphobic? I mean... I I I hear on Twitter that they're transphobic. So, so yeah, homophobic. Well, of course, agoraphobic. Agora what? Agoraphobic. Did you did did you insult their fear of open spaces? <laughs> the silence You're is definitely. You gonna shoot me again? Yes, I am going to shoot you again. <sighs> Well, but, but sir, okay, 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 okay. Hold I'm on, maybe I'll spare better. you. You told them that you were going to make their thing better. Of course, of course. There's I no did. sparing him. This is an Undertale. Put I him can, down. I can, I can. So, aspiring screenwriters, do not, absolutely, do not. Make fun of your fans under any circumstances. I don't care who you think these fans are, what their beliefs are, who they don't insult them under any circumstances. They are the they are your paying customers. You are making it for them, the fans of the work. They are a portion of your audience. Don't alienate them. Don't tell them that their thing is bad. Don't tell them that their thing is outdated. Don't tell them that it needs to be updated for modern standards. That it's offensive. That it's, uh, ist and it's phobe and it's all these other things. And definitely don't go, oh, blank thing was bad before. I am going to make it better. Nobody asked you in the first place to adapt their thing. Nobody told you that to try and fix it. The main thing with an adaptation is that you need to tell the fans that their source material, the thing that they love, is in good hands, and you are going to produce a product that they would like to consume. Yes, you would be amazed how bad people are convincing other people to con- to consume product when it comes to some adaptations. It's hilarious. Yes, 
uh star wars fans go see star wars movies you know who the people who make star wars hate star wars fans oh no cool. one hates yeah no one hates star wars like star wars fans you know who goes to see you know who goes to see comic book movies men you know who you shouldn't make fun of and say you shouldn't go see my movie men men that's not to say you can't make fun of men in general but if you're doing it specifically while trying to sell a product to said men, you should probably wait until after you've sold them the consume the consume product. You know, it, it doesn't even have to be like men bad. You can have a badass woman and not just have her be men bad. Like look at Ripley from Alien. Badass woman. Yeah, and it's not like Indeed. James Cameron was getting on the soapbox and going like, yeah, men don't see this movie. This is this is a woman's time. Yeah. yeah. It's the it's but, it's the same thing. Male creators don't go, oh yeah, um, no women allowed. Like oh. Yeah, no, that's a bad idea. Guy time. That's a, the, considering Twitter, that's a very bad idea now. <laughs> yeah, you'll get canceled real quick, just like the movie. Indeed. Indeed you would. Yeah, treat oh. your fans. Because believe me, who's tuning into Miss Marvel next month, dudes? Let's be honest. Yeah. As much as much as you want to like appeal to girls, the people turning on your comic book property are guys. The vast majority of the time, yes. Basically, moral of the story: don't make your fan base or a main demographic feel bad for liking things. Yes, yeah, could, could you imagine if the director of Black Panther said he hated black people? You know how much money that movie would have made? No dollars. No dollars. Well, it would probably make Negative like dollars. How... <laughs> yeah. uh, but how do we how do we help them? They we know what they shouldn't do, but what should they do? Alright, so here are what we call the adaptational tricks of the trade. Things that you can do to make your adaptations better that you should do in certain cases. The first one of these is called character consolidation or making a composite character. As we talked about before in our format examples, sometimes you just have too many characters. And it's not your fault. It's not the author's fault. Don't don't, don't tell the fans that it was the author's fault. Just, just keep your mouth shut, please. <clears throat> so what do you do? There, there are two options. What you can do is you can take two characters and you can mash them into one character. Sometimes this is just making one character. We'll call him character A. Character A keeps his name and everything about him, but he'll do everything in the story that character B did. Um, either doing his actions or kind of being a mix of the character while still keeping character A's personality type. You may have, for example, two uh, dragon-type characters like the Enforcers. And you're like, well, I don't really have time to do, like, two separate fight fights with my main hero, so I'll just combine them together. Enforcer B was kind of underdeveloped. He only said two things, and they were just like, rah, prepare to die. So I'll just mash them together. However, what you don't want to do, which is something that Halo did, is that you don't want to take two characters, two good characters, on the opposite ends of the personality spectrum and mash them together and get some kind of goopy gray blob of a character that doesn't really um, uh, 
uh, resemble either of them, but also sort of kind of still fills the role of both. And then another thing, this is something, here's something, for example, uh, a good, ex an example of a cosmic character, composite character, is in The Walking Dead. Now, when The Walking Dead started, it wasn't the big phenomena that it would be in its first, like, eight seasons. Um, it was a, a relatively low-budget zombie show on AMC. And they didn't think that they would get, uh, like, a, more than a couple seasons. They didn't think they had would ha have time to reach some of the uh, black characters that they introduced on the, um, in the, the run of the comics. So they created the character of T-Dog, which is a combination of three or four different characters. But around season two and three, when they realized, like, oh, we can just adapt these characters, like, like the show's going to go on, they killed off T-Dog. Well, the problem with this is that T-Dog was a good character. They, 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 they made an OC, and he turned out to be pretty good, and they killed him. They gave him a good death. But this is just generally something you don't want to do. Like, he was those characters, and you killed them off. For the sole reason of you decided, oh, I'm, I can just adapt Tyrese and whoever else. Maybe you should have just kept T Dog, or maybe you shouldn't have adapted him in the first place, or created him in the first place. Yeah, and a, a good thing to note is you should not do this first. You should do this last in your general scripting and design of your adaptation. You should do your level-headed best. To determine how many characters you're going to need to cut out from the source material first and foremost. And before you cut out anything from the source material, you should cut your own additional material. Okay? The Halo TV show just fucking loves to add characters left and right. And it bloated the script so fucking much they did not need to have their consolidated character. That is perhaps the most frustrating thing of the whole show is they did not even remotely require a consolidated character to tell a tight, cohesive narrative. Not that they're telling one in the first place, but... Eh, go ahead. Also, I, I would also say is before you go consolidating a character, think of the future. You might still be able to use the character you want to cut out just in a different movie. You might even be able to change his role a little bit so you can still get the character that the fans like, even though he might not fit your script for this movie. You might be able to do him again in the next movie. Uh, a good example of this is uh, in Dune uh, 2022. Uh, they cut out one of the Enforcer characters, uh, Fade Rotha, who is the... Literally, he is the final boss of the novel. Like, like Dune has a video game final boss battle, and then you get the ending cutscene. Um, he wasn't in the first uh, part of the movie, but they are going to put him in the second part. They didn't forget about him. They didn't try to consolidate him. They were just like, okay, um, it might... Might be a little too bloated if we introduce him in this first part. We will introduce him in the second part. Yes. Although worth noting is it's a little dicey to rely on getting a sequel. Yes. Um, unless unless your name is uh, Denis Villeneuve and you can only create bangers. Uh, if, if you are a person who can only create bangers, then yeah, plan for the sequel. All right. How did you just exactly. pronounce his name? Denis Villeneuve, that is how his name is pronounced. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's French. No, there's no way. There's no way. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> I don't want to say it now. Say it. I, I literally don't even know who this is. 
Dead is he the guy that did the Blade dude? Runner 2042? Yes, and uh, yeah. uh yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about because yeah, I, I remember the name you. being really fucking weird, and I was like, oh, I, I don't know how to pronounce that name, so I'm just not gonna bother, like, butchering it. I'll just. Are, say are you about to say Dennis Villanueve? Dennis Villeneuve. It's Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Okay, listen, Quebec is a third world country. What did we just say about alienating our audience? Now the now, now the Quebecians are gonna want to want to watch our. Podcast. Oh no, they're gonna bully me for speaking English. I don't give a fuck. Anyways, All right, well, I guess we need to maybe we need to update some things. Quebec walk and suck my Quebec cock. <laughs> so, um, another thing that you can do with adaptations is update your character backstories and motivations. This usually uh, happens for characters that have been around for a very long time, whose origins, you know, would make them way too old for the present day, especially where the story that you might set, you know, this whole thing in. Remember, example, when, remember when Iron Man got kidnapped by Al-Qaeda? I was just yeah. about to get to that, buddy. I know, it was a joke. I was I was saying it in a funny way, to be funny, to get an audience laugh from the audience. There's no audience here except for us, buddy. Is the audience here with us right they're now? They're listening to this. They're 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 in our hearts. Um, and on yes. our girl reading this. The girl uh, reading I, this. But yes, Iron Man and also the Punisher, specifically from the MCU, were originally from the Vietnam War era, so they just updated it to Afghanistan, thus making it so Iron Man could become a hero in two thousand eight instead of you know nineteen seventy whatever. Yeah. Yes, and. Generally, um, when you're bringing characters to screen, um, usually they'll the only time that you should really make changes as is if they don't fit into um the like to better fit into the script that you're making. Um, as with the the Iron Man and Punisher, uh example, you still kept the fact that what happened, you know, they what happened to them. Uh, was still connected to a war. It's just a more updated um, war, so they aren't fucking 60, it, 60 or 70. I think it's a wonderful decision to do what they did because it bears as much resemblance to the original core of the character while simultaneously adapting it so that new young audiences particularly have the same connection to the character as people who first read the character many decades ago. I think there's a part of this that we didn't um, pre-discussed before we gathered our thoughts on this, but I think adapting a really old property, a really old character in particular from a different cultural time period, that's a very difficult thing to do properly. And characters like Superman and Batman are particularly uh, difficult to do. Yeah, I, I would also like to point out, because I, I see I see this annoyingly when, when Hollywood wants to attempt to adapt uh, like... like uh, especially pieces of Asian like cinema um, that uh, certain things heavily uh, uh, w- like it will only work if it's in one setting. Like for example, they want to do an American remake of the Korean zombie movie train to Busan. There's only one problem. There is no high speed uh, rail network in America. We don't have bullet trains and Train to Busan very much hinges on the concept of having um, 
you know, a high speed high speed rail network with bullet trains and magnet trains and all that. Otherwise, you're just we're putting zombies on a subway or prepare to get game ended on an Amtrak. It's not it's not the same. I will say an, a good example of this, um, not of setting being updated, but of message being updated. Um, the X messages are very difficult to update. One mm-hmm. and two. Um, if you if you're if you live under a rock and you don't know anything about Stanley, um, for whatever reason, Stanley is a huge. Uh, I mean, I guess we can call him a social justice warrior because that's pretty much what Stanley was in the 1960s. Stanley, not, not the modern definition. Stanley's so not the boss. modern definition, though. Here, how about this? How about this? A different term: a social justice advocate. Yes. No, he fought. He, um, he advocated aggressively. We'll say he's a classy guy, and he did not like to. Stanley. Um, he did not like to demean other people based on Stanley their. Stanley um... created the X Men in the 1960s as an allegory mm-hmm. for the civil rights movement. Now, when they made the movies, um, they decided you know civil rights movement happened like 40 years ago. How do we update this for something to make more sense for modern audiences? So they changed it to instead of being an allegory for so the the social the the civil rights movement uh is for the gay rights movement and it it updated it to be to be more modern and have more modern terminology but also didn't change the story for the worse it also was not very in your face about it it was also written by the guy who voices Solid Snake. David Hayter? Yes. Yes. What a guy. I love David him. David Hayter. Famous mm-hmm. script writer. And also Solid Snake. Of course, I would also like Captain to point America. out the, um, the difficulty of uh, adapting meaning of that kind of a social nature is sometimes there's just nothing of an equivalent magnitude that's happening today compared to back then. Like Magneto, for instance, staying on X-Men, Magneto was... Uh, canonically a Jew and he his backstory is related of course to the Holocaust in World War II because that he's that old of a character that that was just not even something that you had to question in terms of age today I think they still keep the same backstory for him yeah he he is aged he is aged down like through mutant something or other so he's yeah yeah they came up with fudgy plot reasons for him to still be alive but still still the core of his character is always that he was um uh uh, experienced the holocaust yeah yeah i I think there's 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 some give on that because you kind of like there's no thank god there's no holocausts past the 1940s that could be actual accurately represented for magneto's updated backstory Mag- Magneto is Armenian. He's Cambodian. <laughs> I mean, you could do that, but I think that also, like, it's of not course, the then, same. You're, then you're getting into you're getting into the weeds of the details there, basically. And yeah, I, think, I know. I think that's a very difficult thing to do, though, with um adapting the meaning behind it. Iron Man kind of will always be readaptable because there's probably always going to be proxy wars that you could use him to be um to to relearn the lesson every origin story of. Don't sell weapons to bad terrorists or to terrorists. I, I, in general, was just, I, was, I was just, I was just thinking about what if there's a, uh, um, 
a uh, uh, there's a version of Iron Man in the future that got wounded in the Russo-Ukrainian War. Probably, potentially, that would that would make sense. That's probably the New next uh, version of what they would use. <laughs> you just get a you, you get you know the the famous picture of Captain America punching uh, uh, Hitler. It's it's Iron Man punching Putin. Yes. And uh, and speaking speaking of taking things from the past and pushing them forward, uh, you have a hindsight when you adapt. Believe it or not, you can yes you can see into the past. But before we talk about that, I just because we brought up X Men, uh, people on Twitter who keep saying that you need to change Magneto's race, stop it, stop, no, let wait, him what? be Jewish, let let him experience what? the Holocaust. Wait, <laughs> people don't want him to be. Is this people because they want to change are, race to something more modern? People are saying that they, they, should, they should change the, the X-Men to be black. Because that would fit more than 120-year-old uh, Holocaust survivor Magneto or what, what have you. But I'd, my, my, my controversial counterpoint is if, if that were the case, then wouldn't wouldn't the black equivalent of Magneto just be Killmonger from the Black Panther movie? Probably. Yeah, he'd basically just be killed by he. <laughs> what he survived the Rwandan genocide. Like it's not like he, I say, killed, it, the... <laughs> he killed Coney the war the warlord. Coney from Coney twenty twelve. Yeah. Yeah, from the hit documentary Coney twenty twelve. See the problem. No, not not to make light of. Any, 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 any genocide, no, any war crimes horrible, that are going on horrible, right now. Horrible human suffering that we're all talking about. All here. of them are different. There is a very specific reason why Magneto, like they chose the Holocaust, other than like, I guess it was 20 years ago when the comics came, 20, 40 years ago, is that basically Magneto becomes the very thing that he swore to destroy. Um, in like you know for the mutant cause because he basically just becomes mute he becomes a mutant, a mutant nazi. nazi yeah he he adopt he essentially without meaning to adopts all the tactics all the propaganda all the meaning of the nazi party into his own actions and that's why he was designed the way that he was if you make magneto updated to the modern day you you i think certainly you have to lose that He's, there's no Holocaust equivalent today that does the same thing. Yeah, there, the there's, not a, like a, there's not a, a movement revolution. equivalent. There's not a propaganda equivalent. You will completely change the meaning and the, the significance of the character by race swapping him. Well, you could also potentially make him a Ukrainian who lived in Mariupol. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, 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 could, you could make him... Uh, uh, you can make his background tied to the the Soviet purges. Um, he, yeah, he the Soviet be, uh, purges probably he, be the Holodomor uh, in Ukraine, um, which is their their Holocaust uh, during um, the, that time. But enough about uh, uh, history. That'll be saved for the so you think you can history coming to our subscription service coming whenever. Power of hindsight. Yes. Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure uh, is a good example of making changes in your adaptation to fit what would come afterwards. Um, part three, Araki was like, yeah, all the Joe stars have a, a star birthmark. 
Never seen it on any of the places where he said that it was. So in the anime, they made sure that uh, Joseph and Jonathan have their 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 birthmarks where they should be um, on their drawings. Um, another example is that in part four, we learned that Dio uh, had a stand arrow and bow that when he used when you put the arrow in the bow and you shoot someone with it or you just stab someone with it, you can get a stand. Uh, the arrow and bow are now present in part three because they weren't there before, but they were like, hey. Dio should have this bow somewhere, so it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, another example, um, in part five, Jotaro pulls out a, a picture of the old gang, but in the original manga, there was no time or place that he could have taken the photo. So when they made part three, they came up with a sequence in which they had to stop and they took the picture. So Jotaro could then later put pull it out in part five. And there's I probably will, some other I examples. Will stay. I will say I what? think it's cringe that in part five they they just used the the drawing from part three and it's didn't like adapt it to I've the art seen. style. It's Jacob. No, it's so funny. It's so funny having huge buff ass fucking Dio in Jorno's wallet in part three or in part five is just so cursed. He's <laughs> he's mourning his lost gains. I mean, there's probably more examples like that in the JoJo's anime, but those are the three big ones that come to mind. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure other adaptations do this, but I'm kind of drawing a blank on other, like, uh, ad adapting in hindsight moments, if any of you guys know of any other examples. Um, Usually, it's they're they're pretty good about it. Like, um, you just, I mean, when you have a second chance to basically take the story and, like, fine-tune it a little bit you get a lot of like chances to like rectify some of those plot holes or weird continuity the, mishaps i think the anime has been absolutely critical to a lot of the success of jojo's bizarre adventure over the last 10 years yeah because i will be totally honest to you with you guys the manga looks great for jojo's bizarre adventure but jesus christ araki does not make those fights very understandable sometimes yeah part five, reading part five in black and white because uh i'm an i'm an old man and when i read part five it hadn't been translated in color yet and the translations were still the comic sans era bad translations the craftwork fight was the most incomprehensible fight i'd ever read because the yeah. whole fight is just like movement lines and white backgrounds and just like standing on a building or a bus or what have you and it's just like what is happening in addition to that um you get to just make things smoother on the second run through you know you know kingdom hearts final mix you know remasters adaptations i think can be considered remasters in some cases a, pretty much all of jojo's bizarre adventure anime takes little liberties here and there to make everything just go smoother and make more sense. I can't, there's too many, too many things to give specific examples for, but I think just in general, the pacing of the fights is so much better in the anime compared to the manga. The dialogue just paces itself out better. The whole shtick with, um, uh, King Crimson, the stand is pretty much all you see of Diavolo for the majority of the manga. I think they give him a lot more scenes in the anime, didn't they? 
I feel like they at least extended what was already there. And it's it's much more I haven't more clear seen the that... anime of part five all the way through, so I don't know. Really? You haven't? Huh. Yeah. I've already read it so many times that I was just like, ah. <laughs> this I is fine. Am... Yeah, I have never actually read through part five, so I'm on the opposite spectrum. Where I have no idea, and I wouldn't be able to speak on that. Hmm. Well, I did both, and that's my thought. That's fair. All right, now, screenwriter, I am going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You aren't the chud. The author is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I, you know, I told you not not to tell the th- the fans that their thing is bad but i'm going to be honest oh. with you it's kind of bad um i need you uh to fill in a couple of these plot holes with uh some uh uh plot branded flex seal and uh kind of reword a few things so sometimes your source material ain't pretty great sometimes it is great but sometimes the author skimmed in a few places some things aren't very uh great so this is where you in the adaptation sense if you are a decent enough writer can make some changes uh for example in twilight a lot of the dialogue comes off as awkward and stilted but in the hands of a competent actor you can make it funny you can make those lines more comedic um instead of just awkward nonsense sometimes you can cut out all of the creepy abuse stuff, get that right on out of there and make the story a little bit more accessible to movie audiences. Um, Characters who got shafted in the original work can be elevated to be much better. Um, uh, Walking Walking Dead, for example, is another great uh, uh, example of this, of taking characters that were like, kind of add the comics and and making them a bit better. Um, Can I think of some other... Also getting rid of all the interesting characters. Ouch. Like who? Ouch. Like half the cast? They adapted like everybody. Andrea? Oh, they killed off Andrea. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's a give or take. Sometimes it's a give or take. Um, What's uh, what's her name? Sophie? Or the little girl? Yeah, they also did that. They killed off Carl. Um, Kill off Carl. The character who becomes the main character of The Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, like I said, give it a take sometimes. Um, anyone else got any ex- examples of adaptations filling out uh, where the author may have skimmed a little bit? Invincible. What I think Invincible... I think Invincible's uh, elaboration on the original Guardians of the Globe makes it significantly more exciting and surprising when they all die. And also, they die significantly earlier. Yeah, the way that they handled the Guardians of the Globe is just marvelous compared to how it was in the comics. Of course, I believe the original writer of the comic is the one who's also writing the TV show. So it's it's very literally a remaster in that case. Good old Robbie K, Walking Dead guy. Although, in some fairness, um, I think he lost the power to write a good romantic interest to begin Mark's he never uh, had the, journey. He never had the power to write a ro- good romantic interest. Okay, but Amber is actively horrible, whereas the Amber's girl in the comics... fucking boring is, in the book. Yeah, she's boring in the book, but she's like actively terrible in the show. You know what? I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. This is a little bit of a controversial take. 
Yes. The, what the Lion want? King remake, while being a terrible goddamn remake, yeah. the original soundtrack was a chance for Hans Zimmer to remaster his original score for the animated classic. And I have to say, the remaster for a lot of the instrumental stuff not the not the not the musical numbers not the singing the inst- yeah not the singing the the like instrumental numbers are like the stampede that and reflections of mufasa that sort of thing those very impactful scenes ha- hit that much harder because han zimmer got a chance to go oh i understand this a lot better now like he didn't realize like the whole story of the lion king was about somebody losing his uh losing their father and he lost his father. So a lot of the emotion that was put into the new version of it was his own. And it's that much more like impactful and glorious. <clears throat> so um, on, on that topic, very quickly, are you aware that Hans Zimmer in 2014 remade the entire Lion King soundtrack and released it for free? No, but that makes him more based. I've always yeah, loved Hans Zimmer. So. It's, it's called the Legacy Collection, and he literally just remastered the whole OST from beginning to end, all 33 tracks. What a god. Quite based. Anyways, back on topic. So, well, uh, filling in where the author left off, blah, blah, blah. Anybody else? I'm, I feel like there's something in the back of my head that I'm forgetting to talk about on that. Anybody else have any thoughts on it? Uh, not that I know of. Not that I can think hmm. of. <sighs> I know there's got to be something maybe it's a book adaptation where it's like this character was awesome in the movie but he was kind of like a chud in the books but I can't think of it I know that the examples exist but they aren't coming to my head well oh I I can give an example of um something like this uh well this isn't exactly it but the Batman the animated series added a lot no I have an I have a perfect example Batman the animated series from the late 90s completely reinvented the character mr freeze mr freeze was like a fucking gimmick stupid pun silly villain before batman the animated series batman the animated series the children's cartoon remade mr freeze into a really delightfully tragic sad character that was very relatable and he had a very just grounded in reality story combined with comic fantastical strangeness and i think it, it changed the dynamic between mr freeze and batman in a in a really great way it was such a good adaption that when batman arkham origins wanted to make a dlc surrounding mr freeze they just adapted the episode as yes. a, like hour two hour long dlc yes it's that it was that good it's just that good and um i i suppose in in addition to that they also did um uh, well, they they created Harley as a character entirely. We probably should have mentioned Batman yeah. animated series earlier. Harley yeah. didn't exist before that show, and now Harley is literally fucking everywhere. People love Harley Quinn. People love Harley Quinn for thousands of reasons. Better oh, or for she, worse. Better or for worse. And she was a character created just for that adaptation of uh, Batman stories. Of course, I'm not even sure I would call Batman the anime series an adaptation of stories as much as it is just adding on to existing lore. But eh, eh. I think I think it's fair to no because its lore is different enough from the comics that you can say it's an adaptation because it's very different from the from the established Batman. I suppose that's true, but the, the issue ways. with I mean, Jason Jason Todd doesn't book. exist canonically. Yes, I, th- I think the issue with bringing it up though is because comic books in general just have a bad habit 
of restarting their stories, of just restarting canon, particularly DC tends to like do that a lot. They don't do that anymore. They did it like Ish. three times in the span of 20 years, didn't they? It was more than, it was like 50 years. They did Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then they did Zero Hour. New 52. Um, was Zero Hour a full reboot? Like a full I continuity think, reset? Uh, I don't I think, so. think so. I think it was just it was just the new 52 and the Crisis on Infinite Earth that they did that. Uh, well, there was... Right, we'll cause, because, uh... And then I they remember because, like, like... Um... Uh... The, uh, the, the, there was a, a, something I was reading that was talking about the, the... Like, like a DC comic that mentioned the continuity reboots. And they were, um... Zero Hour, uh... Crisis on Infinite Earths, Final Crisis, I think... Um, I think there was a few of them. Well, let's, uh, let's get back on topic then about adaptations. Mm -hmm. Reboots are a whole different story. I want to reboot Matt. But, you know, we, we've talked enough about, you know, what to do with adaptations and what not to do with adaptations. What are some, you know, what are some bad adaptations that we can look at? Maybe some of the middle ground as well as some of the greatest adaptations out there that we can use as an example to showcase the power that people have when it comes to taking a thing that people love and improving on it. Mm -hmm. Quote, unquote. Yes. Jay, could you start us off with the first one? Because I don't know anything about this. Um, what's this? The fucking... Is that... Hoisey uh, Jackson? Oh, are we talking Yaksun? about the Percy Jackson movies now? We're talking about good and bad adaptations, buddy. The Percy Jackson movies are fucking terrible, and if you've seen them, then you should be paid. They uh, should give you money. Why are they bad? Well, for one, Percy Jackson is a 12-year-old, um, and in the movie, he is 16, so already, like... We're off to a, age, off to a bad start. Take this book for 12-year-olds and age it up for no reason. Um, it's also just... it. It's just not a well-put-together movie, like... They retcon things all the time. They they change things all the time, and it's just it's just cringe. The second movie barely follows the second book whatsoever, and only in like the bad ways. Like it's it's they 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 rush they rush the plot points of the third and the fourth books in the second movie to make it like a trilogy. I guess I don't know if that was their plan, but it really feels like it's the plan. Because like if I remember correctly, I haven't seen the movie in like ten years. Because I saw it when it came out, but like Luke gets possessed by Kronos in the second movie, which spoiler alert for the Percy Jackson books uh, that happens in the fourth book, um, the Battle of the Labyrinth, and they just decided to do it in the second movie um, for no reason, and nobody liked it, and also all of the casting was just really weird. Um, hiring like 18 20 year olds to play these characters they were supposed to be like 12 is weird um but we can erase it from ex our memories soon because we're going to be getting a disney plus tv show and it's going to be good hopefully hopefully also there's if, if it's bad then we always have the broadway musical broadway next musical we're going to talk about um yeah michael i'm pretty sure what? i made you listen to it in the car oh you might have Sorry, I, 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 might, I might still be on my amnestics. Uh, what is Dragon Ball Evolution? That's a thing. Oh. What happened? 
Dragon Ball Evolution is a lovely, lovely movie where Goku is a 16-year-old in high school um, and Piccolo is this weird, uh, I don't even, goblin thing, I guess. Yeah, and, and Uzaru isn't—he just kind of turns into like a half man, half monkey thing. Um, I don't think Krillin's even in the movie. Is Krillin in Dragon Ball Evolution? No, just Yamcha. Yeah, June Park is Yamcha. No, Krillin is not in the movie. It's a really bad Western adaptation of Dragon Ball that barely has any of the elements of Dragon Ball. Um, it's like an adaption of the first arc of the original Dragon Ball and also the Piccolo saga for some reason. Which is, you know, like two completely tonal, like, like they're totally miles apart story-wise. So already doesn't work. Um, it's just, it's terrible. And the people who wrote it feel bad about making it, so you know it's terrible. Yeah, the, Matt, the I will say the, all, all of the, the cast are great actors. They're just in this fucking shitty ass movie. Yeah, I guess Matt also, doesn't have anything to add about Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Evolution. Honestly, there's 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 nothing else to add. It doesn't deserve the PS the yeah, PSP Budokai clone game that they made for Dragon Ball Evolution is actually kind of fun. Because it's a Budokai clone. Also, um, uh. Uh, the the guy who played Piccolo in that movie, uh, James Marsters, uh, who's also Spike from uh, Buffy and Angel, he was uh, Zamasu in the English dub for Super. Nice. I didn't know that. That's actually really no. interesting. Wh which he specifically said was to redeem himself uh, after the movie. Uh, he's not credited as James Marsters because Union and stuff like that, but you know he did it. Um, uh huh. Out of Union, so. So anybody right, know anything about this next one? Because I so I read Artemis the book when I was like eight, and that's it. So I never Artemis saw Fowl movie. is notoriously known by fans of Artemis Fowl, the book itself, to be one of the worst adaptations of mankind. It horribly butchered many of the characters that were beloved as well as like artemis fowl himself because artemis fowl originally in the books is kind of like a smart uh quirky asshole like he's kind of an anti-hero but in the adaptation because it's disney they had to make him a good guy for good reasons is he played by the guy. young sheldon kid or i don't am know I making that like up it. he looks he is like not it. he is not played by young sheldon kid regardless it feels like he is there's a there's plenty of videos on the YouTube by people who are very very into Artemis Fowl. Like there is somebody who actually read the book Artemis Fowl and made a video talking about why people were so angry with the Artemis Fowl trailer. That, I remember like, my brother not liking it and he liked Artemis Fowl, so that's my that's my extent of yeah TLDR. Knowing. It's it's a bad adaptation if you want to see how fans reacted to it and also conversely how bad an adaptation can get because it was done for corporate reasons there is a pretty good example right there the only thing i know about artemis fowl is uh there was a period of time uh of five minutes where i thought i was about to die of laughter because garrett and i were talking about how dwarves and artemis fowl eat dirt and then shit it out behind them so that they can dig very fast yep that's my experience with artemis fowl 
The Resident Evil movie franchise, on the other hand. Oh, boy. Uh, the Resident Evil uh, <sighs> movie franchise is one of my... F- they are... Uh, I don't know what the opposite of a certified hood classic is. Uh, a <laughs> unaccredited... A certified... uh, an unaccredited, <laughs> gentrified... Uh, uh, Masterpiece. Unaccredited um, dealer. <laughs> unaccredited, an- unaccredited gentrified masterpiece. Um, I've seen all of them at least like five times. They're wonderful. They're so funny. They're so entertaining. They are the epitome of it's so bad, it's good. Um, there is only one that- movie that's worth watching by, by Paul W.S. Anderson. And it's Event Horizon. Yes, but let me. Well, first, okay, okay. Uh, jokes aside, um, Resident Evil movies as uh, adaptations are horrible. Um, Alice, the the OC main character, is the epitome of Mary Sue. She is an OC that was inserted into the the the, the franchise. Every character loves her. Every character thinks she's great. She upstages the series protagonist every turn each resident evil movie feels like it was written by a different person they just reset after every movie despite being it's sequels to each reset. other i mean hard they, they reset dro- they drop plot points they skip over things um, it's weird because he wrote all six all six of the first six movies you know? Yeah, they're not they're like, not written by a different person. They're all made by the same guy. Uh, but they just like they just do that. Um, this just for the most part, Resident Evil is an in name only adaptation. The first two movies are eh, loose adaptations of Resident Evil one, two, and three. But mostly, they just cherry pick series elements for the um the sake of cherry picking them. Uh, the best part of these movies in terms of adaptation is Wesker. Wesker is beautiful. I love Resi- uh, the original Resident Evil movie series, Wesker, because he's just a thumb man. They got a guy who looks just like Wesker, and he just hams up every line. I love it. It's great. Um, but can, no, we mention his, for- can we mention his other adaption and wrap that into this, too? I didn't see Monster Hunter. I don't want to. I'm going to assume it's the same kind of nonsense. I think Kieran was the only one of us who watched it. Allow me to tell you my first-hand experience from somebody who is a huge Monster Hunter fan. This is what she told me directly. It is a bastardization of my favorite series, and I hate it to to its core. It's, It's a movie that takes place in the modern day. It has racism. It, it has yeah, it does have isekai. racism. It got banned in it also got banned in China. Yes. For having Chinese racism. Um they use miniguns and like assault rifles to fight a Diablos, and then they have to use the weapons from the Monster Hunter games. And it's like why ron perlman's in the movie i guess you you cannot tell me 
even from an in-universe perspective, that shooting a Rathalos with a fifty caliber machine gun is not as effective as swinging a greatsword at it. I, I would just like to say, you know how Ron Perlman said the only reason he was in Payday was for money? Yes. I like to think that this is the same thing. Yeah, probably. Also, Almost another certainly. funny thing is that uh, uh, Mila Jovovich, queen of the Mary Sue, uh, her character in the Monster Hunter movie is a U.S. Army Ranger. Do you know how many female U.S. Army Rangers there are? There is one. There's one who just became one a year ago. You know why? Because it's really hard to become a spec ops uh, soldier, even if you're a man. So, you know, it's even harder if you're a woman. And in uh, Monster Hunter, there's just like three or four female U.S. Army Rangers, you know, not not Mary Suing at all. Yeah, Mila Jovovich can do anything. Mila Jovovich. Her, her daughter was in Black Widow. Yeah, she was really? uh, young uh, Scarlett Johansson. A fucking I've ne- I still... I still haven't seen uh, Black Widow, and that's not going to change. Black Widow seems like the wettest part of all time. If you watched Hawkeye, then you don't need to see Black Widow. The the payoff has been done. It amazes me that there's no Resident Evil movie with above a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Also, I guess I should bring up uh, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, Welcome to Raccoon City is a much better adaptation of Resident Evil, but the best way to describe them is the Paul W.S. Anderson movies are so bad, it's good, and the new one is just a, a bad horror movie. Like, it's it just feels like, like a bad horror movie you'd go see in, like, January. Um, the people making it clearly, like, wanted to make, like, a, uh a more faithful adaptation. I could tell they, they played the thing they, they watched and they played the thing, but they kind of, they Frankenstein resident evil one and two together. And it's so weird. Like you watch it and like in your head, like you're like watch it. Like, like it's like taking both games as like a, like a puzzle piece and you, you, you pulled them apart and you reattach them. You, you pulled certain parts out and replaced it with another part and it's just it's just honestly baffling by the by the end of it. Um like Albert Wesker is basically just Ada Wong, like from a from a story standpoint, but they tease Ada Wong um in uh the end credit scene. Uh they also turn Leon into a bumbling buffoon, uh who doesn't know how to load a shotgun. He is a uh, he's a police rookie who doesn't know how to load and operate a shotgun. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. And there, there is yet another bad Resident Evil adaptation coming, as the uh, Netflix series uh, is is on its way, and it features a character from a leaked sc- script that we got uh, mentioning that they jerk off to Zootopia porn. I, I think I think it's supposed to be a joke in the scene, but that is a line that someone is going to utter in that show. And what show? The the Resident Evil Netflix series. That's upsetting. It's also, again, another bastardized uh, adaptation because for some reason they just can't give us the the, 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 the story that was put in the game. It's, it's not not good, apparently. You gotta do your own thing. Uh, enough about Resident Evil. Let's talk about something else that was horrible. Uh, oh, I guess I get to rant again. Game of Thrones Season 7 and 8. Um, I can hear uh, the, the death slapping. You know it's bad. Truly. God awful. 
It was so okay, bad so wh- that the that the, the the directors were supposed to get their own Star Wars movies, and then they were taken away from them. It is so bad that it completely killed Game of Thrones as an element of our pop culture. No one, ca- no one talks about Game of Thrones anymore. I don't see people cosplaying Game of Thrones anymore. Nobody talks about it. It's never brought up. It's it's gone. Like it's just completely like n- no cult, no more cultural like parodies or references. If it is being referenced, it's being referenced of how bad it is. Um, freaking Ryan Reynolds mentions how bad bad it bad it is in the post credit scene of Hobbs and Shaw. Like it's 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 horrible. Um, you know what I what think happens? happened? Hmm? I have I have a theory. I have a conspiracy theory. What? So season eight aired in 2019, mm-hmm. right? You know what else aired in 2019? What? What? Season one of The Witcher. Okay. I think that it just it just bombed so hard that the, everyone just went to The Witcher. Maybe. Because um, the I think The Witcher's a pretty, like, decently well-received adaption. Yeah, we'll talk We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, we can uh, talk just, about The Witcher ju- later, but I'm just saying, ju- it's, just, it's, it's a weird coincidence. Uh, just, just a summation, uh, Game of Thrones Season 7 and 8, uh, it's what happens when you run out of source material and your writers are a bunch of chudly motherfuckers. Um logic and plot consistency is thrown to the wall characters teleport characters survive wounds that they should never uh uh be able to survive um jamie lannister gets a long sword all the way through his side and it doesn't poke out of the side of his body and murder him uh characters get assassinated um a cripple becomes king uh sorry for being ableist but bran the broken was so fucking stupid um a disabled person i'm i'm sorry for being whatever uh i'm going to cancel you uh for, for aria wants to just find out what's west of westeros in the script they write that sansa and john never passed their fucking geography tests they have no idea what you're talking about ah okay next thing um halo Ah, moving on. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. So the Super Mario Brothers movie is horrible for multiple reasons, but it's it's mainly horrible because what it does is it tries to take your childhood memories of your classic NES Mario games and just say, yeah, no, those aren't the real story. This is the real story. The Super Mario Brothers movie is the real story. All those video games are just loose adaptations of our adaptation. Yes. That is that is literally all why this, the Mario Brothers movie fucking sucks. It was so bad that the cast would just get come on set and just get really drunk. And then they'd just act... Pretty Me much too. every scene of the movie that exists, they are drunk in it because they just hated being there so much. <laughs> well, Ouch. We already talked about Monster Hunter. I think we yeah. need to talk about the Hobbit trilogy. The Hobbit trilogy doesn't need to exist. They could have made two movies and that would have been too much. They add in characters like Legolas is there and there's this weird like love triangle thing with Legolas. 
and two other characters that's really weird and all of the the Oryx are all CGI which is weird because like the Oryx look really good in Lord of the Rings because they're practical and the makeup is incredible and you look at the you look at the hobbit and you're like why do they look like that it's because they're shitty like 2013 cgi like they they were like oh we can CGI this now and they did and then it was like oh wait this looks like fucking dog shit but we spent 200 million dollars on it like it's it's just it's so weird because like you look at the, you look at the Lord of the Rings movies and they're so goddamn good, and then you look at the Hobbit movies and you're like, wow, I don't need to watch. You don't. Why does the third movie exist? Like if if we're re- if we're gonna be real, like the Battle of the Five Armies is like two chapters, and they made an entire movie out of it. The well, you don't even see I... the Battle of the Five Armies in the book. It's like. Because it doesn't matter. It's just a battle that happens. And then Bilbo's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I think it's very much the adaptation bucks that they were trying to chase after. Lord of the Rings, like, changed the movie landscape as we know it. Lord of the Rings is so good. Yeah. The, The thing to remember about Lord of the Rings, the movie trilogy, is it didn't just change adaptations forever. It changed how people watched movies forever it it was not just a good adaptation it was a landmark series of films that had never been told like that there was really to my knowledge no convincing way to adapt like a large scale fantasy existing story at that point in time it really had never been done before the closest we'd ever gotten was star wars and that wasn't an adaptation of anything so Lord of the Rings definitely earned its prestige, I think. And it, uh, well, sadly convinced the people who made The Hobbit that they had to try it again. It was the same people. That's the thing. It was the same people. That's what I I'm know. confused about. I know. I know. I think that's why they did it, is they were convinced they could make lightning strike twice. Except the second time you're trying to get the lightning to strike, you also have to grease the bottle manually for 20 hours so that you can properly prepare the lightning. And they did it for like two minutes. Well, that's the Hobbit, I think. Unless anybody else has anything else they want to rag on it with. Which I'm down for. Lego the Hobbit is better than the Hobbit. This is true. This is true. Uh, also, I'm I'm going to say that uh, the reason why I just screamed for the Halo, because we're going to do a separate episode on that, uh, so I don't want to go too much into it right now. Uh, Tomb Raider the 20 whenever the movie came out 2018 uh is an adaptation of the crystal dynamics uh tomb raider games uh which are basically just uh un- uncharted ripoffs like uncharted started as basically like uh tomb raider but with a guy he has a penis this time around uh, and it's more cinematic is enough is is enough foodinari sorry sorry ladies um do you think Lara Croft oh, she would be a was. with balls or without balls? Yeah, I was gonna say if she was, would she have balls or no balls? I think balls. Right. I think no Lara Croft's got balls. Um, she's got balls. Uh, this you can't, movie you can't is, do all that tomb raiding and not have balls. 
I think she. I think uh, she this... took them off. They were too big. They weighed her down too much. Uh, again, uh, like the the games are based off of uh, Tomb Raider. The movie is another derivative of many different action adventure movies. It stays pretty faithful to the Crystal Dynamics games, um, which is, I guess, something. But it just it's just really generic. You'd come in. It's like as Jeremy Johns like to say, you'll probably forget it in T minus like a day or two. It's just like you know. If it was on on HBO at like two in the morning, you're like, ah, I'll watch this. Like, it's fine. It's whatever. It's uh, serviceable is what you. Yeah, is uh, the best Alicia Vikander, who plays uh, Lara Croft, is hot. So you know, I, I like looking at her for two hours. Uh, besides that, um, this is kind of. Eh. Then you guys can talk about Naruto. Oh, what, what, what do you want to talk about specifically here, Jacob? What, what, what I love Naruto. The anime Dude. sucks so badly, though. Does it suck that There's... bad? Yeah. Are you talking about filler and all, or just the pure adaptation of the core, the core manga? I think the pure adaptation of just the core, because not only is the filler ridiculous, but the fights are just way too long. They and are it just dra- very it long. drags its feet so much. Uh, he- like, what I'll say it's on that. insane. I, I don't think, think the... the voice cast in the English dub specifically. Is very good. I think certain characters are very well done. I think Orochimaru, Jiraiya, and Tsunade, they are three very good voice actors for the role. I think also... Yuri Lowenthal as Sasuke is so weird to me. Well, that's because you've heard him in so many other things. The, the first role I ever heard Yuri Lowenthal in was Naruto. So it feels totally natural to me. See, mine was Ben Ten, so we're we're diff we're two different men. Well, no, mine was probably also Ben Ten then. I I honestly forgot that he was in Ben Ten. Hey, he's Ben Ten. He's been in in Alien Force onward. Oh, Alien Force. That's right. No, I thought you meant the original. Yeah. No, it was Naruto. No, for me. I meant I meant Ben Ten Alien Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. I, my issues with Naruto in general are kind of just my issues with the manga too, I guess. I think the first third of Naruto has some of the most potential any shonen has ever had. It's telling it's a very dark story. I think well, it's I, more than the first third. I think Up the Pain. I, I Yeah, I think Up the Pain. It loses me a little bit after the first third. I think the time skip was very meh. It was not handled super well. It, it wasn't. But, um, a, nothing really happens in the time skip. It's not yeah, like nothing, the, the One Piece time skip. Which is goaded, yes. because the one piece time skip, the characters develop like crazy, but not enough that you're like confused. <laughs> yeah, with the one piece, uh, with the Naruto time skip, it feels like simultaneously nothing happened at all, and a lot of other shit changed. Like the characters didn't really change; they just got stronger. And that's, I think, that's my uh-huh. issue with the Naruto time skip is nothing. The world literally just hit pause for two years while the time skip could happen, which I guess was part of the point of the time skip was that that was the only time they had to train. But at the same time, it feels like it's just kind of a narrative waste. But um, mm-hmm. going back and on over to the adaptation itself, I think the fights in the first third are amazing adaptations of the manga. I agree with you, though. The, the latter half really drags with the fights. They get so long. The Four Shinobi World War does not need to be that long. No, it, it really did not. It really did not need to be that long. I don't think it even really needed to happen. But, you know, it well, definitely didn't need to be that long. Well, then we're just talking about the manga itself. Um, 
yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. The whole fourth Shinobi War was kind of a, a weird fart in a jar moment. And then um, Madara showing up was cool. He was animated very well. And then anything like after... Madara. You don't like Madara? I thought I thought Obito should have been... It should have just been Madara. It shouldn't have been Obito. It should have just been... No, I agree. No, I agree 100%. <laughs> We introduce I, I this character that is Madara Uchiha, and then we actually bring in the real one, and then this guy is just some other guy. Yeah. Like, what? the thing is, I'm okay with that first fake-out. Like, okay, you get one fake-out. You get one fake-out like that, and then you're done, okay? You've used up so much narrative trust to take these characters that we've known for years and do that, and then they did it again. They did it again. The fake-out <laughs> Of the fake out. I'm not even going to. I'm not going to deem it worthy of me describing what the fake out was. But Madara should have just been the final villain if that was what they did. But primarily I agree with you. Um, uh -huh. Obito should have just been. Just, just end it there. Or Pain. Just have Pain and Nagato be the actual ending. Write it so that they're the final conflict. Uh, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Ratchet and Clank. Yes. So, um, fun fact about Greg Chudley. Um, Greg mm -hmm. Chudley is a huge Ratchet and Clank fan and has played all of the games um, like a million times. And the Ratchet and Clank movie is so bad that it's not even like... It's not even sad. Like, it's just soulless. Like, it makes me feel nothing. Like, I don't think like, oh, it's, so, it's such a shame that this franchise that I love got a terrible movie. I'm just like... Uh, okay. And not only that, but also the video game that came alongside it, which I'm going to fault the movie for and not the the devs, because the reason mm -hmm. that the, the the game only had about nine months to like a year's worth of development, and then they they the game went gold, and then the movie got delayed, but the game was already gold, so they couldn't continue to work on it. So they would they just they just had this like shitty like half finished story of a game that uh, mind you the story changed during the delay so not only is the story of the game different kind of than the movie that but the movie's also bad um it's i think it's really sad when you consider the fact that it's the last ratchet and clank product that jim ward is ever going to get to work on and it's just like a, a subpar movie and a subpar game yeah, no bueno. Like the game cuts cuts out like twenty five percent of the planets of the original, which as an adaption is just dumb. Yeah, you should probably do more, not less. Or but just also not change the it at plot all. is just completely different, and the final villain is completely different. It's like they used they frame the game as the story that's being told is being told by Captain Quark. So it's kind of like an unre unreliable narrator. So it's kind of like, haha, that's funny. What did you just delete? Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Yes, dad. Um, but like, I don't think that's an excuse to just have an objectively worse plot. Like, Oh, it's a, it's an unreliable narrator. And that's why things are different, but it's just like bad. It doesn't know if it wants to be a reboot or a reimagining or neither or both. Even in Rift Apart, like there's references to the events of the movie, even though Rift Apart kind of acts like the the 
2002 game is canon and not the movie, but there's also kind of shots from the movie recreated as like the history of Ratchet and Clank. And it's, it's weird. It's weird Mm -hmm. because they refer to it as a reimagining. And like, even in the game, Ratchet and Clank 2016, there's a line where the plumber's like, Oh, see you guys in the next reboot. And it's like, so it is a reboot, but it's not a reboot. And they just, they drop the ball. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Anyways, I think we've covered all mm. the bad stuff. Pretty much. Pretty much. I, I think we need to. I need. I think we need to see that middle ground. What's like? What's some adaptations that are hit or miss, to say the least? Uh, so I'll start with the first one because I think I'm the only one here who has watched The Witcher TV show. Yes, you are. I can call uh, my dad yes, and have so, him talk about it. So the <laughs> The Witcher TV show is an adaptation of the books, not the games. Although they do pull from the uh the the soundtrack of the games and they also um take a lot of the designs from the witcher 3 um the show is seven or eight uh, i put it a seven out of ten um it's getting better um they get some things right they get some things not quite right the first one is a bit of an adaptational disaster um, because the first two books that they decided to pull from were short story collections, and um, they told the story out of order uh, because they wanted certain plot lines to converge at one point. Um, uh, like if they did, if they told it like how the books were were told, Geralt would make Siri in the second season, but they wanted to have them together at the end. Um, so they told the the plot in a very uh confusing um time jumpy kind of way without any sort of uh uh text on screen denotions that 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 like things were said in the past and things were said in the future you just had to rely on context clues um to tell you when things were um happening which is not how you want to um go about things usually they catch things like that in test screenings for movies um where the audience goes yeah we didn't understand that and then they they fix it um that didn't happen here. Um, in general, what I'll say about The Witcher is that if Netflix invented a fantasy show that was just like their own, it was uh, the the Wizarder. Um, I'd be like, damn Netflix, that was the th- you know great idea you came up with. But because it's The Witcher, it's just like <sighs> you guys are doing a disservice to this great like uh, property. Um, I also want to say uh, to to writers out there, because The Witcher has this problem, if you're writing something that's mature, don't think like, oh, this is mature. How do I make it more mature? Oh, people are just going to start swearing. They're just going to say fuck all the goddamn time. As much as it's a joke to go, which which fictional characters in your favorite series would say fuck, it says a lot about the character if they would if they would utter fuck and how often they would utter that fuck. People just drop it all the time in the show, and it's just an attempt to be edgy. That's what I have to say about The Witcher. Um, I guess I'll also cover Game of Thrones Season 4 through 5. Uh, at this point, they were starting to kind of run out of uh, um, source material. They still had a decent amount of it, and 4 through 6 are still good, a little shaky. Uh, they start to veer the show in a direction that it didn't need to go. Um, if, if episode, sorry, if season seven and eight are the, um, 
the uh, the arrival in the storm and the crash of the ship. This is where the show started veering towards those storm clouds. Next up, uh, Mortal Kombat. So I'll just you know just quickly say seasons four through six were where I started hearing funny things about it, and then seven through eight were hilarious to watch as a non fan of Game of Thrones. Yes, uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, me and Matt can talk about the the twenty twenty Mortal Kombat movie because we watched it together. But, um, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, okay, yes. it, it, it's an it's an okay movie, better than I expected it was going to be. Actually, genuinely decent storytelling at certain points. They they get and, it, it, if if we go adaptation wise, they get they get some things right. Uh, but here's another bit of uh, writer meddling. So. The may the the writer of this movie was like, hmm, Mortal Kombat doesn't Mortal Kombat doesn't have a diverse protagonist. Um, which uh, Matt, who is the main character of Mortal Kombat? Uh, I believe that is uh, is his name Johnny Cage. No, uh, n- no, hmm. Liu Kang. Liu Kang. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. Is it was already? Is it Liu Kang in the movie? Hmm. Hmm. Well, despite this this thing that is already predicated on a uh, a misconception, if you think that Johnny Cage is the main character in Mortal Kombat and not Liu Kang, uh, a man from China, uh, he decided to make a new Asian Mortal Kombat character that you can slap on top of the dozens of Asian characters in Mortal Kombat. His name is John Mortal Kombat. It's not. It's Cole Young, but it's literally just he, he is he is quintessentially jonathan combat mortal combat john combat himself um uh hats off to the movie for being rated r hats off for for being gory uh the people they picked to play uh scorpion and sub-zero excellent perfect Mm. also that final fight between scorpion and sub-zero top tier and the beginning fight too both really good moments the fights in general, I think, were of quite high quality. Well, except for the fact well, that they they kept cutting during the the yeah, fights that they are in yeah, between those. The concepts of the movie were uh, of the fights were fun. It oh, and Kano, it, yeah, it suffers. Oh yes, Kano. Kano is a standout, beautiful, fun uh, character to watch. Surprisingly, but, um, you'd never go into a Mortal Kombat movie and go, "Oh, my favorite character was Kano," but it the, is here. He, he I love he was, Kano. He was great. Let, let me put a disclaimer on the fights. I think the fights are almost a so bad it's good moment. Sometimes the the cutting really does just genuinely suck, though. That's what makes it a middling movie most of the time. Uh, and as for the uh, as for the original ones, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, uh, I would I would put these as middling. Uh, because they do again get s- some things right with the adaptation. They they bring in um basically all of the characters from MK3 uh to the detriment of Annihilation as it has like thirty fucking characters in it. Um, but they're not they're not great. The first one is like it's, it's all right. It's a six out of ten. Um, but Annihilation is just so bad. It's good. Oh, they were the first one was also done by uh, Resident Evil man, uh, Paul W. S. Anderson. Um, no, no. You know what wasn't done by Paul W. S. Anderson? Castlevania. Okay, so this is my biggest gripe with Castlevania. Yeah. The first two seasons are fucking amazing. 
But then after they kill Dracula, the story just keeps fucking going. Yeah, that's how I feel too. That's crazy, actually. Because I was going to say that. I saw you put it down. I was going to say that exact thing. Yeah, like, you guys know the entire point of Castlevania is to kill Dracula, right? Uh, People tell me to watch season three and season four, and I'm just, I'm like, no, no. As someone who never watched season three and four, let me there from what i've seen of seasons three and four they actually have very good scenes and very good writing still i'm sure they do but i i don't need to see them because the crux of castlevania is already over not necessarily if they want to bring back they want, they're making a series where that's going to be a hundred years in the future to focus on the next belmont which i think is simon for some reason uh it's richter. actually richter if i remember correctly which, which, does, it, which isn't the, out of order belmonts but whatever I'm fine with that, but that should have just been season three because, like, is that out of order? Yes, I'm pretty sure Simon is Richter's grandfather. Let me double check. Uh, Belmont. Well, Richter is the one that's in the game with uh, Alucard. No, uh, that's Trevor. Trevor's in the game with Alucard. No, Symphony. No, he's no Symphony of the Night. Castlevania three. Castlevania 3 has Alucard and Trevor. Okay, but the one everybody oh. wanted to see adaptation of was uh, Symphony of the Night. Yeah, that's that's the part where I'm like, I'm a little confused about. Well, I mean, that makes sense why they're doing it next, because, you know, Symphony of the Night, Alucard. Yeah, so it, the way that it's supposed to go is Simon, Richter, Leon, uh, Juiced, Trevor, and then Julius, Christopher, Sonia, and then mm. Reinhardt. What? No, I'm pretty sure Trevor is before Richter, isn't he? I'm looking. Okay, maybe the timeline I'm looking at is fucked. Um, because I'm trying to find like because I'm pretty sure Trevor is an ancestor of Richter, and that's that's why they chose Trevor for the show because he's he's before Richter. Leon, Leon Belmont, and then there's the two hundred year gap, and then there's Trevor Belmont, Christopher Belmont, Simon Belmont, Juiced Belmont, and then Richter Belmont. So Simon is Richter's grandfather. And Trevor is Simon's grandfather. Yes. So we're yes, so we're missing four generations between Trevor and Richter. It's quite a bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. But in some fairness, I'm not sure there's what what story is there for the the other Belmonts that's not like based on the original versions of the games. Well, that's, I mean, the, the adapt the, the anime slash whatever you want to call it is just an adaption of the story of Castlevania three. Like that's, it's just got more stuff to it. Right. But like, I'm thinking back to the very original Castlevania with like just Simon, no face walking around. Well, Simon has two games worth of story. He's got Simon's quest. I suppose. But um, yeah, like, if, just, if that was what it was, lot. if there was more after killing Dr- Dracula and it was I, Simon I, as the main character, that would make sense because Simon's quest is Castlevania Two. I suppose what um what I really mean is that compared to what they've already written, like Alucard is a through line to Symphony of the Night. That's the major through line, and Alucard is, I mean, just everybody loves Alucard from uh uh-huh. Castlevania, so going into Symphony of the Night seems like. Pretty obvious one. I mean, on one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, Simon Belmont is like the most popular Belmont, so just skipping over him is like really weird feeling to me. 
Yeah, but it doesn't mean that the the seasons necessarily have to be bad. I have never seen seasons three or four. I'm not saying they're they're bad. I'm just saying I don't want to watch them because I don't think I need to watch them. Like the, Mm. the, the story of Trevor Belmont from beginning to end starts with him entering the city and ends with him killing Dracula. Like that's, well, in the that's games, yeah. The whole, yeah, in the games, and it's an adaptation of the game, so I don't see it. Like, it's, it kind of feels like two seasons of filler before they decided to make a new show. That's kind of a new show, but kind of not. Okay, but because like the, they they leave off on stuff at the end of season two, which I when I saw that I was like, oh, and there's gonna be a huge time skip, and the world's gonna be all fucked, and then I was like, oh no, they're just gonna make a season three and wrap up that stuff. And it's like, oh, well, that's weird. Eh. The only reason I haven't gotten around to it is just because I haven't really found the time. But I feel like if I enjoyed a character enough from that adapted media, I would just want to see his through line all the way to the end of his story and his life, not just the end of where it ended in the game. But eh, I, I think of it. I felt like the ending for what Castlevania was doing was perfectly acceptable for me. It was wonderful like, when it ended in season two. Yeah, like I, I don't think I need. Like I'm okay. Two. Yeah, like I'm okay with having more stories, right? Like I'm okay with having more about Simon. Like I like I like Simon. I'm a Simon fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not Simon. Sorry, Trevor. I'm a I'm a Trevor fan. But at the same time, I think that the way it ended was perfectly suitable for what it was trying to do. Maybe. I, I do think, though, seasons three and four, I want to give them a try just because the writing for them seems still very, very, very good. Still on the level hope, of seasons one and two. I hope that, though, that if they do adapt Simon Belmont, the design they use is the one where he looks like fucking Light Yagami. <laughs> because that's funny. I don't, I don't I don't think I like that design, to be honest. I, I mean, I don't either, but I think it's funny. Sergio, do you have any thoughts on Castlevania? Have you seen it? Never played the games, never seen it. Ouch. Well, you should watch it, it's good. I would love to play Symphony of the Night, but it's a Metroidvania, so therefore I don't care. It's like the Metroidvania. I know, I don't care. Well, in all fairness to Michael, Symphony of the Night is a goddamn monster of a Metroidvania. That's also is. true. That game, isn't there like a second castle that's like upside so, down? So you or something? play through the game, right? You play through it like a normal Metroidvania for like a good 15, maybe 10 to 15 hours, right? And then you beat the boss who is actually Richter Belmont. Richter Belmont is the one you have to defeat because he's controlling the castle at the end. And then um, you get the bad ending and you go away depressed. Then you come back to it and you realize there's two secret rings that you have to find in the castle. And you have to go grab them to get the true ending. And to I get both of them. Yes, it's it, it, it. No, it's actually Richter. He's possessed by Dracula. Ah. Yes, and the world does not do very well after you kill Richter. But um, you go and grab the rings, and you get like fucking armor that breaks spikes. You know the spikes that instant like just damage you a shit ton in that game. You could just, you just get to break uh-huh. them with armor that you find. And then uh, you go you go to Richter and you bring the rings. And you fucking attack this flame while Richter's trying to rip your balls off that you can see now with the rings. You you destroy the flame, then Richter's like, oh, thank you, thank you, dude. And then you play the game for like another five hours, then you fight another boss. And then 
another fucking castle comes out of the sky and you play through the entire map upside down. Yeah, I don't I don't care for I I respect what uh, Castlevania does, but if I really wanted to play the Castlevania that like I really like that I was signing up for, which is like classic Castlevania, uh, I would just play Bloodstained. Yeah, that's fair. Regardless, moving on, let's talk about uh, something that can be iffy if done poorly and can be pretty all right if done right, which is four kids dubs. Oh, four kids four dubs kids. are notorious for Americanization and censorship. Look at there's the some jelly adaptations donuts. That's, jelly yeah, donuts there's are adaptations. delicious. There's some adaptations that like uh, are like dubs that keep what the uh, the original core of the story is. As much as I don't like the four kids dub of Yu-Gi-Oh, it's still Yu-Gi-Oh. As much as I don't like the four kids dub of like, or like I, I grew up with like the classic four kids dub of Pokemon. So obviously I, I'm not super miffed about that, but every One Piece fan knows that the One Piece dub for by four kids is, oh boy. I will say. On the on the note of four kids dubs, the four kids cast of Sonic X will forever be my Sonic voices. Honestly, yeah, because they're what I grew up with. Yeah, and I am and I am biased, but I when I was a kid, I loved playing Sonic Six. Straight I literally up, have never played Sonic Six. I didn't know it was a game. It was the first game I like ever got of my own volition on my Xbox. That wasn't just like a gift. Like I was like, I want this game, and I got it. Now was it? Um, I mean, it was bad, but I enjoyed it because it was Sonic, and I fucking loved Sonic. I thought Silver the Hedgehog was the coolest motherfucker in town. I thought Shadow the Hedgehog was the coolest motherfucker in town, and I thought Sonic the Hedgehog was the coolest motherfucker in town. Damn. I wanted to bring up... Yeah. Um, yes. In uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, I think it is, as a four-kid censorship, there's a part where one of the characters is visiting a grave, like at a, like at a graveyard, and they just, like removed the graveyard he's just like in a field yes i i actually remember that it was so so weird as a kid watching them like did, did what what happened to this person why is there no gravestone what did he do in life yeah, like the four kids is really really weird and it's not like a good adaptation but like the core of like what the material is tends to be the same because they're trying to keep this what can technically be considered a kid show like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh to an extent. I very, very far extent on Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I agree. They, they try. I, I agree that they try. I would just like to point out though, uh, Jacob, do you remember Bellamere, uh, Nani's surrogate mother? Yeah. Uh, she's, she's still, still alive. She's still trapped in that dungeon. Yeah. She's still stuck in that dungeon. That's that's just how it goes. That's just they how it be on this bitch of earth. Yep. Uh, character death is non-existent in four kids, and this is a small thing I'll state. Do not shy away from death in a children's media. Handle it very carefully, but you can't just shy away from it at every turn. The shadow realm. The Shadow Realm. Uh, honestly, this is the thing that I find okay. so funny about that, though. The Shadow Realm is unironically a worse fate than death. Unironically. Yeah. Eternal I, suffering. 
I, I don't. I I thought the Shadow Realm was fine. I'm gonna be honest. I don't care. <laughs> no, th- that I I think the Shadow Realm is actually in some ways even better than killing somebody because it plays into the fact that you know it's a magical fucking card game with weird mystic Egyptian bullshit. But yeah, I just like to point out you're describing to your network how you're gonna censor death. And you tell them, oh, well, we've gotten rid of all mentions of characters dying. However, we have canonically confirmed that there is basically a hell. And we've also canonically confirmed that these people who lose these go to that hell and suffer there for eternity without any reprieve from their suffering. Yeah, but you also get ridiculous I, I, things like saw blades being re- replaced with like, oh yeah, those those if you touch them, they'll send you to the shadow realms. Like, no, they're gonna fucking cut you into little pieces. You're gonna <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, I'm, I'm I'm trying to like speed this up because we are running on yeah. almost two hours now. Um, that's all right, just part for the course this. for how we fan them. But yeah, let's um, speed run this. We're on comics. The Thrawn comics had a weird art style, and I find it just kind of janky to read through the good story. It's still a very good story. They didn't really change anything from the books necessarily, but they did condense it down, and eh, eh, they're, they're okay. I'd much rather read the books, though, not the comic books. Good. Uh, Sonic. Th- I'm gonna start with Sonic Sat AM. Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, introduced a lot of important things for a lot of Sonic fans who grew up um, like pre-adventure or played a lot of the like Genesis games growing up. I owned a lot of the Sonic cartoons on DVD just growing up. So I watched them a lot like, you know, Sonic Christmas blast and like all the, all the DVD like collections of just random episodes from random shows. Um, And they're, I mean, they're pretty good. Like, they're they're fine. They range from bad to pretty good. Um, Sonic Sat AM is notorious um, because it leads into the next thing on the list, which is the Archie comics of Sonic the Hedgehog, which, as anyone who's read them should know, range very heavily from a really bad Ken Penders. Ken Penders, I'm talking to you. To actually really good, like the stuff written by Ian Flynn before they, they switched over to IDW and got, had to throw out all their shit and then to restart. Um, They just, they have a lot of characters that are unique to those stories, like Sally Acorn and, and all the Freedom Fighters and... uh, Yeah, that's about it. I'm also going to move on to the Nintendo, the Nintendo cartoons from the 80s and 90s. Um, the Adventures Super Mario Brothers 3. No, not those. I mean, like, the Legend of Zelda cartoon. The Super oh, Mario yeah. Bros. Super Show. Um, the Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, which is on Steam. Fun fact of the day. If you want to, you can watch the Super Mario Brothers 3 TV show on Steam. In the Super Mario World TV show. All of them are pretty good. I mean, I they're pretty. Steam had a thing where you could like get movies. Yeah, you can also watch the postal movie <laughs> if you really want to. Um, hmm. they're they're pretty good cartoons. They're just run of the mill like children's cartoons. They, they got Mario in it and Sonic and Link. I actually really like the Legend of Zelda one. Excuse me, Princess is forever going to be super iconic for me. Um. 
that's everything I have to say about those. If anybody else wants to add anything on to any of the three things I just mentioned, Michael, you like animation. I do. Uh, I did watch the original Super Mario Super Show. I love it. Uh, it's it's charming. It's cute. And I will forever agree that I think that uh, whenever I think of Mario's voice, uh, there's only two. That's the, the one in the video games. And, and Chris Pratt. Not Chris Pratt. <laughs> The, the guy in the Super Show. I don't remember his name. Anyways, moving on to good adaptations. Um, I think we'll we'll cut it there, actually. And the our audience will get to hear um, uh, those in just a bit. Hello, and welcome back to How We Fanon. It has been uh, a, a, a hot five minutes uh, since we were gone and not... Two minutes. Uh, Only two minutes. Only two minutes, and definitely not two weeks. Uh, we are going to finish up our discussion by talking about good adaptations, things that we like. Uh, so it's not not a thing that we like to talk about on this podcast. We only talk about terrible things, but now we're going to talk about good things. I don't think yes. I've ever enjoyed media before in my life. I need you to hold my hand. I'm scared. Okay. Okay, come here, baby. Well, Jake, I oh, think you can lead us, uh, since you've read more Marvel comics than anybody here, I would assume. Than any human I'm, alive. I'm pretty sure I've read more Marvel comics than pretty much anyone I know. Like, come on. Talk about the MCU. Okay, so the MCU has this weird thing where it's, like, good sometimes. For every, like, bad character adaption that the MCU may have, they have some really good ones. Like, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. Good adaption. I think Robert Downey Jr. might literally be the best adaptation of almost any character that has ever been. If we're talking about just pure duration, I think he definitely takes the cake. He's right up there with, like, Heath uh -huh. Ledger with Joker. Yeah, but that's not an MCU movie, so we're not counting it. Um, who else? Uh, what's his name as Doctor Strange? But Benedict Cumberbatch is a very, very Benedict Cumberbatch is a really good Doctor Strange, and I feel like people don't talk about it very much. I think he embodies the character in a very, very good way. If I remember correctly, he was one of those like actors that people are, like fan casting forever for Doctor Strange. Like as soon as he appeared in Sherlock, people were like, "Oh my god, he would work so well as Doctor Strange." I actually wasn't feeling him when he got announced. It wasn't until like that trailer when he swings the like the cape around his neck was I like, "Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's him." I think his American accent leaves a little to be desired. A little bit. But that's kind of his fault know. for being British. Maybe he should have been born somewhere else. I'm not entirely um, sure, though, because I feel like the way he talks is pretty much perfect for Doctor Strange. He's just a little he's just a little off in the, in the way that I think makes it good to listen to. Yeah, Do Doctor Strange is kind him. of a strange person, so it makes sense. You know, Crazy no pun, no pun right. intended. Chris Hemsworth literally just looks like Thor. Yeah, Chris, both, both Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and Chris Pratt. All three, I should say are very, very good adaptions of the characters. They I don't know, are I feel like Chris Pratt works better as a short, fat plumber from Italy. Um, I, I'm going to send you to counter, um, <laughs> as, as someone who just finished Guardians uh, 2021, uh, the Eidos Montreal game, I much prefer comic Star-Lord to like half-celestial uh, Star-Lord from the MCU. I don't I like mean the, like, I don't... 
I don't mean the plot that he goes through, like how he's half celestial or allegedly or whatever. I th- I mean specifically just like the characterization and like how he I mean, yeah, acts. The characterization is good, but I would argue that he acts a little too much like Chris Pratt, if you get what I mean. They really made the role for, like, Chris Pratt's sense of humor. And, like, um, not, not to say, like, I, yeah. I don't like it, but, 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 like, after seeing, like, another person's take on Star-Lord, I was like, yeah, he is a little bit too Chris Pratty. And that's, I mean, that's that's fine for for that version, but, you know, if, if, you, if you get what I I'm feel saying. Like- I feel like in some ways the good MCU adaptations have the advantage of being compared to whatever godless abomination they did with the Hulk in any iteration of him. Aside from Pretty his, much, his yeah. version of the Avengers, they I, I'm not sure Hulk has had a good quote unquote adaptation in the MCU so far, aside from, like I said, Avengers. Have I been saying adaption this whole time? I just realized you I have feel like I have adaption. been. Okay, you know, adaption, adaptation, there's no difference. Anyways, uh, I don't want to go on for too long about MCU characters, so I'm going to cap it off with with the most obvious one. You can't talk about MCU character adaptions without talking about Nicholas Fury. I mean, what is there to say that hasn't (laughs) already been said about Nick Fury in the MCU? They literally stole his likeness in the Ultimate Comics and got him a billion dollar job. Yeah, I will also I will also ask who, who is your least favorite MCU adaptation? Um, I mean the Mandarin's always going to be up there for the original Iron Man three version. Hulk does Iron Fist count? <laughs> the guy who plays Iron Fist doesn't do a bad job. He is terrible at martial arts, though, and they could have like, but that's not his fault. They could have trained him to do martial arts like they did Charlie Cox, and they didn't want to spend the money on it because I think they knew they were going to lose the rights to the, the Disney Plus stuff. Um, it's not really his fault that they it turned out the way it did. Um, who else? What is another bad at that? Ooh, Taskmaster. I still haven't seen Black Widow. I, don't, yeah. I hate what they did with Taskmaster. Yeah, I love that they CG'd a woman's head on a man's body. Yeah, they turned Taskmaster into a jobber, didn't they? Yeah, that's my big issue. Is like mostly with Taskmaster. The Taskmaster is always like a side villain that's just like a jobber. There's never like a cool Taskmaster comic because Taskmaster is just too hard to write. Because like it's really hard to just like counter Taskmaster. Because he's supposed to counter you. Yeah, no, no, you just hit him with the the the, the special gas like they did in Black Widow. <laughs> Taskmaster, I I like Taskmaster against Captain America in the comics because like Taskmaster because Captain America is Captain America, you know right. it's hard to explain but like he always wins because he's just like it just feels right for him yeah it feels American it. makes me feel patriotic. <clears throat> um, all right, any any Michael, what what adaptions MCU do you hate? So I actually have never really read any of the Marvel comics, so I can't speak personally on like an adaptation level. Um, there are like plot points and story points I'm not super fond of from like the stuff that I've personally been aware of, like, you know, the whole fucking half celestial Star-Lord. I don't really give a shit about that. 
Uh-huh. Um, Which is but it's probably going to be retconned because it doesn't make sense anymore because the Eternals yeah. made the Celestials like the comic Celestials, which makes Ego make no sense. It, well, Eternals don't make he, any he, sense. So at, at the end of Guardians 2, he loses he, his Celestial part. He's just human. Well, even then, like ego is ego even a celestial because that doesn't make sense for how they're shown in the modern mcu i think, they, I think they're just going to ignore that they're just going to ignore that going forward yeah, they're, probably they're never going to talk about it again or james gunn's gonna make a make a joke about it in guardians 3 slash the christmas special that's the best we're getting if they do I anything the, with it, that's the best i Go think ahead. the one thing i will say is that my one problem the worst adaptation in my eyes isn't a character it isn't a story point it's the fact that the there's a lot of like moments where I'm like, man, I really wish the MCU was colorful. Like, it feels kind of dull and unsaturated in a lot yeah. of parts. Like, it's, there's um there's that shot in that new Thor trailer, Love and Thunder, that's like taken it like right from a comic page, and the comic page just looks infinitely better. But that might just be the animator in me talking. Like I. I become less of a problem but i i definitely know exactly what you're talking about yeah like i didn't mind it with iron man because iron man's entire point is to be a little bit more down to earth and gritty and like that's 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 fine for what it's trying to be but like when i think of like dr strange for example i i would kind of prefer to have things to be a lot more colorful yeah i feel at least a little more saturated i feel like the issue with the doctor strange movies is they kind of they kind of hold off on the like weird visuals for like a couple scenes. Like there's like a scene where they go through like, like they travel through the dimensions and there's like a bunch of different like dimensions that are all weird and wacky and colorful. And then the rest of the movies is kind of like normal. Yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of where like my adaptation issues lie. I, I kind of wished that um there was a little bit more distinct feel a lot in these uh in the co- like in the movies cuz comics are very like good at being able to take things and do a little spin on it to make it unique and stand out and have a very specific vision like you can have your bright colorful slice of life sort of superhero funnies and you can also have the dark gritty you know stuff like you know i, I can't give like a proper example cuz i don't really know marvel that well in terms of the comics but like i think i think what your point is you don't you think that to have a distinction thematically between somebody like the Punisher and Guardians of the Galaxy is Punisher yeah. should be what has more of the current style and Guardians of the Galaxy should be more popping visually. It should be more yeah. saturated. Uh, think- another thing that like I, this is, this is my mm-hmm. last, my, my last point. Whoever the fuck sat down, the, the little councilman, was it Edgar Kevin Wright Pye. that was supposed to direct uh, Ant-Man? Yeah, yes. Edgar Wright was supposed I, to direct Ant-Man. I'm so mad that Marvel was such a fucking stickler about letting people just do their thing. Like direct I get that you wanna, want to like, to. yeah, like I get that you want to have your characters be in character and be as close to the comics as possible. But I want to feel like this is like their movie. Like I think as much as, much as I love like uh, the multiverse of madness, I walked out of that was just eh, it was okay. Because when when the points where it was like the Sam Raimi stuff, like when you felt that it was Sam Raimi being Sam Raimi, those moments where like it was actual like horror, 
I didn't really sign up for, but I was, you know, I was, I was there for it. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was so cool. And like, it's a, it's a well shot movie. And then it becomes a Marvel movie and I'm fucking bored. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, Doctor Strange 2 did it way better. I think they're definitely going to start allowing directors have more of their own creative vision in the MCU movies. Because I think they're starting to realize that people are getting really fucking bored of MCU movies. Because they all are kind of just cookie cutter, like, put this character and this character together and then make a two and a half hour movie that makes a billion dollars. Which I can't fault them for doing that because it's making them a billion dollars every time. Yeah. But like, I think if Ant Man were made now, they would have probably let Edgar Wright direct it. I'll let Sergio go, and then I'm gonna go on my own little. little I was saying, from what what I know, I think most of the MCU parts of uh, Doctor Strange were most likely added in the reshoots. Probably seems likely to me. That seems likely to me. Um, I think. Doctor Strange mostly suffers from just generic storytelling problems of not having quite as much uh, just density of storytelling that it needed. I think the finale was a very generic sort of, oh, we got to have a, a cool thing going with uh, America Chavez. But, but also the actual, actual emotional part of the finale was not very MCU. And I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. I, I would like to also say the the possession of the corpse in the... Oh, that hold on. Spoilers crazy. for Doctor Strange 2 if you haven't seen it. The possession of the corpse and the, the cloak of levitation made of the souls of the damned. That, that shit was, was so cool. Yeah, there's, there were parts where I was like, yeah, I'm down for this. I'm so fucking down for this. This, this is so cool. But all I'm saying is that I think that comics do a lot better in showing the voice of the author rather than the movies. And I really for, for hope better that... And for worse. Well, I think, yeah, for better I think and for worse. worse that's kind of going to be a given because of how much less crew is needed to work on a comic. Like, yeah, no, no doubt. Three people. You need like three people to do a comic. You need maybe, maybe four. You need like a bare minimum writer, artist, inker. I suppose a color. You'll also need an editor. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand that there are differences, but like, the the thing that I really want to see in like the MCU going forward is to hold back on that MCU stuff. Like I get it, it's cool. There's no fucking grand story anymore. Let's just have a little fun. Let's be a little campy and just have a good time. Because I'm gonna mm-hmm. be honest, when I went to go see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I was not there for the story. I didn't give a shit about the story. Like I watched trailers and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I was I was fully down for what was going on. But I was less there because, oh, cool, there's going to be story and crossover and things are going to happen. And I was more so there because it's a Sam Raimi movie and I like the I like the Spider-Man trilogy. Like, obviously, I'm going to go see it because of uh, Spider-Man. But like, I know Sam Raimi's a good director. I know people (laughs) love Sam Raimi. You like Sam Raimi. I like Evil Dead. We are not the same. And the, you know, the big difference here, the big takeaway that I have personally is that if anything that needs to be adapted into Marvel, it's letting it's it's just letting the, the author air quotes have a little fun. So but I think like, I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good go stuff. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go on like a three minute bend here. Then I'm going to kill this MCU thing like I'm going to kill Satan. Uh, I think <laughs> having 
authors with their own voices is a really important thing for storytelling in general. Um, I'll just make a reference to Zack Snyder's uh, Snyder Cut for Justice League. The coloring saturation of the theatrical release of that movie is, ironically enough, don't, something that I think don't refer it. Don't refer to the, the to the theatrical release of that movie because it's a different movie. Yeah, it's 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 the it's Whedon League. I'll, I'll call it a yeah, Just, Justice, League. Justice League. League. That's right, Justice League. Um, Justice League and Justice League are two wildly different movies in a lot of ways, and I think Justice League speaks very, very primarily from a corporate business generic interest group, and Justice League by Snyder is very much Snyder's vision, for better or for worse. I think largely for better. <laughs> worse. <laughs> Uh, I think Snyder Snyder League uh, Snyder's Snyder's Justice League is a phenomenally better movie compared to Justice League. I don't think. I mean, yeah, I still didn't. I think it's a better movie, but I'm just not a fan of what Zack Snyder does in any of his adaptions. Really, three hundred is good. I, I think the problem with Justice League. This is. I'll make a thirty second cutaway on this. I think the problem with all of Snyder's DCU movies is very simply thus. He went for a comic line of stories that would be very well loved and liked if it was 30 years down the road and we'd already covered like the whole story of pure true canon justice. He read, he, I think my issue is he he read uh The Dark Knight Returns and just got the wrong message out of it and was like, we should make Batman like this. When the whole point of The Dark Knight Returns is like, we shouldn't have Batman like this. This Batman is kind of an asshole. I th- I think that's a that's a good point, but at the same time, people like Dark Knight Returns because it's a very different view in a different part of Batman's life. And the problem with making that kind of an adaptation your main core canon movie version of Batman is it just it doesn't work very well. It's just not people don't want that. People want true canon Batman. People want something like The Batman. The Batman, yeah. which was just recently released, is a much better version to use as your core building point for Batman. Because yeah, it's, I'm, it's, I'm gonna line. I'm gonna pencil in before we talk about the Adventure Zone comics. I'm gonna pencil in the Batman as a good adaption because the Batman is a really good adaption of something that shouldn't have gone well, in my opinion. Because I think they, they were definitely playing with fire with that movie. Between a con- the very controversial casting for Batman and the Riddler, and also they took one of the most famous comic book storylines of all time with the long Halloween. And then they just like completely changed who the villain was and like, just went like went with it, mixed it with year one and just like ran with it and somehow managed to make it fucking like incredible. I think what what made that work, and I'll I'll work that into the MCU thing, is whether or not you have somebody who actually loves what's happening. And if that person is the author, and that person is the director, and is controlling a large amount of what goes into the media, then it's going to be a better product. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, Sam Raimi's uh, Evil Dead, these are amazing Mm. things to be part of, because Sam Raimi fucking loves making them. And he is a great man to have working on them. Uh, if you work, if you have people who just get fucked around with by the corporate interests in the MCU, they're not going to care very much. And that's why that they probably don't turn out very well. And the same thing is true of the, the visual department. 
for the MCU. And this is why I referenced Snyder. Um, Snyder's Justice League and Justice League that went to the theaters, the in Justice League, they just literally cranked up the saturation and that was how they made it look colorful. And that did not look good to me. They like increased the brightness and everything was mm-hmm. kind of washed out and the colors just don't look quite right. Justice League's by Justice League by Snyder is just better looking. It feels closer to what I think an epic superhero movie should just feel like just canonically in my heart feel like speaking speaking of standpoint speaking of dc the wonder twins movie just got canceled oh boy anyways i uh, i I, I love the director statement of they thought 75 million was too much and i was like that is too much much." that's too much movie (laughs) money for a wonder twins series Anyways, I'm going to finish my point about the MCU before I derail it any further. Um, I think the MCU movies should be- should just have one director and one crew working on each hero individually. Uh, I've always disliked that in the MCU, particularly after Phase 1 and 2, every single fucking solo film must have other MCU characters in it. I'm sick and tired of that. I want solo films where it's just those characters. I'm on the opposite. Maybe. I like the duo. I, I like the duo movies. I think there's too many. I, I don't think there's any individual voice for the characters to speak through in a lot of, I the, will, lot of the MCU. I will say this is uh, my last two cents because I, I do want to wrap up the MCU discussions because this is not about MCU. This is about yeah. adaptations. Um, mm-hmm. My I'll throw my last two cents. I think uh, crossovers are fine in small doses. I like that. Uh, the Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange had a movie. I think it's cool. I think it's fine. I do also wish that there were a little bit more uh, individual stories because I, I like it when things are a little bit more self-contained and it makes me happy that Spider-Man is apparently getting more movies. Moon Knight. Moon Knight's self-contained. It's good. We'll talk about that. Yes. Yes, we will talk about that. We have a whole that episode that's going to be dedicated Anyways. to Moon Knight and John Halo. I'm looking at you, John Halo. I'm staring James you in the Rings. eyes. Jimmy, we're, 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 Jimmy Hoops. Jimmy Hoops. Fighting words. I still need Anyways. to watch. I still need to watch Moon Knight. Anyways. Anyways, we're done with the MCU. I'm cutting it off. I'm killing it. Jacob, talk about the Batman. The Batman is really good. I mean, I already <laughs> said everything I wanted to say about it when I brought it up. Oh, okay. The Batman <laughs> is a really good movie. Comments. Yay. This is the one thing I actually know a lot about. So. The Adventure Zone, for those of you who don't know, was actually a podcast that was started sort of as like a bonus episode to another podcast called Mabim Bam or My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, which is like a variety show where three brothers just do a bunch of random shit. Sometimes they answer Yahoo questions and other times they do like little skits and stuff. I think Sarah listens to that. It's a good show. It's funny. But uh, they started a bonus episode with their papa, their daddy-o. Uh, called the Adventure Zone, and it was originally just them going through the Lost Mines of Vendelver, and eventually it spiraled into uh, one of their most successful series, which is about them basically just playing D and D, except for the one season and the few mini seasons that they had in between of season one and two, which is the Balance Arc and Amnesty, where uh, they played other tabletop games, and Amnesty is not being played in D and D. Regardless, though, we're talking about the Balance Arc. The balance arc is widely viewed and personally, I, I believe in the same uh, regard as being the best of the Adventure Zone seasons because 
a lot of the charm of the uh, the adventure zone is that like compared to Critical Role, which is a very serious like sort of D and D series, because obviously it's Critical Role. They're done by actual voice actors who want to do a serious story. This is just a bunch of brothers and their dad just goofing off and having a good time. Like we have fucking uh, a barbarian named Magnus Burnsides, which is just because he has sideburns. Uh, we have uh, a short gnome that's played by the father named Merle, who is honestly the nicest moral compass ever, and he's a very funny guy. And last but certainly not least is Taco the Wizard, whose quest at the end is to complete a ta- is to completely make the recipe of a taco. And this crazy little group of adventurers got into this grand epic uh, story, which is basically written sort of in the same sort of pacing style that you see a lot of modern like family cartoons in, where it starts off kind of goofy and lighthearted and slowly gets darker and eventually comes into this culmination of a big epic fight. And it is a podcast, so it's mainly audio, but they announced recently, not even recently, like a few years ago, that they're starting to do comics. And I own, I, I think, four? I want to say three or four of the comics. Uh, they're each of the arcs broken into graphic novel volumes. And they are uh, Here There Be Gerblins, which is the Lost Minds of Fendelver, but the uh, copyrighted, followed by uh, Murder on the Rockport Limited, then uh, Pedals to the Metal and the Crystal Kingdom. And they're working on getting all the rest of them. But the reason why I call it a good adaptation is because it's very hard to adapt audio because everyone has their own sort of visual interpretation of how things go and how the characters look. And to me, this is the perfect way to adapt a goofy podcast about D&D into a comic. Because unlike the Critical Role comics, are they're, where they're very character focused and it's just about the characters in universe, it's still a game of D&D in the Adventure Zone. Like the DM uh, Griffin, like appears in like little speech bubbles every so often and talks to the characters as if they're you know they're the players. So you're basically just watching a comic book adaptation of the people playing D and D, which is an adaptation of like the podcast itself. And it's it's so good. I I started like recommended recommending people to if they want to get into the adventure zone to actually like read the comic because it's. It's still the exact same witty, funny comedy that is the Adventure Zone, but it just has a visual form, and you don't have to go through like at least sixty episodes of a like a, like hour long podcast, um, just to get into the story. I, I love it to pieces. It's my favorite podcast ever. It's my favorite live play ever, and I love the Adventure Zone. And I, I highly implore people actually take a listen to it, or maybe you know, go read the graphic novel. Interesting. That's all I have to Interesting. say. Interesting. I I can't say anything about it because I've never uh, done. I I don't even watch Critical Role. I'm a, yeah. I'm a loser. I'm a boomer. cringe, as some might say. Uh, it's okay. I Critical Roles. Of, I I'm not going to get into my personal uh, feelings about it, but I will say that the Legends of Vox Machina is also a pretty good adaptation. But it's less so in the sense that it's an adaptation of D and D, and more so an adaptation of the story of the D and D campaign that they're in. But I will let you guys yeah. talk about Dune because I I didn't go see Dune. I uh, wait. Can, can, so, wait. Can so, I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Since we're on the topic of graphic novels, can I? Can I supplant an adaptation that I forgot to write down before we talk about Dune? Sure. Just real quick. I swear I'll let you talk. I'm just I'm gonna do it quick. 
um, graphic novel adaptions um, into movies. You know which one I'm going to talk about. It's a Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Scott yeah, Pilgrim vs. the World is such a good movie. It is. Especially considering the it. fact that more than half of the series wasn't written when the movie came out, and it still gets all of the core aspects of the series. Oh, true. Uh, not to mention Edgar Wright. Uh, Edgar Wright directed, directed it. Who is, again, I, I, loved yeah, it. Like, I love Edgar Wright. Baby Driver's fucking awesome. I watched, uh, I watched the movie, then I read the comics. I will say, of course, I like the comics a little bit more. Yeah. But in terms of adaptations of what they had, pretty fucking accurate. Yeah, it's very good. Um, the video game is also a good, a good adaption, and it has really good music. I'm not a Gucci can have fun. my children. Yeah, uh, uh, that's all I wanted to, to supplant in there, Sergio. You can talk about Dune now. All right, Timothy so Chalamet. Dune. Uh, Dune. If you've watched our uh, episode, like we did a year ago about Dune, um, wow, that was a long time ago. That was. Oh, that was the first time uh, we went to Colossal Con, actually. We're, we're nearing the anniversary. Uh, Dune uh, rocked my cock. It drained my balls. I loved I loved Dune 2022. Best sci-fi movie of the entire century. Don't at me. Uh, Dune is an, ama- is an amazing um, book adaptation. Um, it's, it's a lot better of an adaptation of the uh, original movie. Um, that's a, something, that's something a bold inter- statement. For a for a century that had Re- Revenge of the Sith come out, Sergio, apologize Dune, right now. Dune, Dune is better that's than true. Revenge of the Sith. That's <gasps> Star Wars fan Sergio canceled on Twitter.com for Guys, having different like, opinions. I like Revenge of the Sith, but Dune is just a better movie <laughs> in a lot of ways. In most ways. So in the original Dune, uh, which also featured Roblox fighting. <laughs> um uh so so how david lynch in the original one wanted to do like the character monologues because you know obviously like in books there's a lot like you you have like the character's thoughts and monologues is that he would focus the camera on the actor's face and have them just monologue about things (laughs) a very awkward way of doing that um dune doesn't uh dune doesn't do that um (laughs) the 2022 version does uh what does not um, and it does not feature Roblox fighting, um, which is a shame. Um, what do you mean by Roblox fighting? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, so in in the in the original movie, uh, there's a scene where um, uh, Paul Atreides fights his uh, mentor Gurney uh, with the shields, and in the original, they're like these like blocky, like they look like oh, like they're like yeah. Minecraft people. Um, I've heard it being described as Roblox or Minecraft fighting, and they only did it in that one scene because it was a very expensive uh, uh, shot. It's not actually CGI. Yeah. Um, they had, it they was, had a rotoscope uh, in the animation, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it, it was rotoscoped, um, which is which is really interesting. A lot of good like VFX for that original movie, but obviously it's in the just, in the I new one, that some of them are bad. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in the new movie they could do CG, but a lot of things that I I love that that the Dune movie does well is it takes a very like lore heavy, um, like a very lore heavy book, um, and perfectly weaves in all of that lore. Like they don't cut it out, they keep it. Uh, like one scene I really love is when uh Paul fight the the Paul and Gurney fight because this is your introduction to the shields, um. Because basically they have a little training fight, they turn on their shields, and they explain to you through this fight um, 
how the shields work, but it also not only does character things for Paul and shows you that he is a capable fighter, but it makes it so when you watch the fight scenes later, you have some idea of what um uh, is happening. Because if you don't know how shields work mm-hmm. in Dune, is that they block fast-moving projectiles. So everybody uses swords. Uh, you have to um move the sword in a slow motion to pierce through the uh the shield and pr- any projectiles no that guns. they fire have to be slow. Oh, and all, and also, if you do try to shoot the shield with a laser um, gun, it will cause a chain reaction and create a small nuclear explosion. So you don't want to actually shoot anybody with a conventional laser firearm who's using a shield. Uh, they also, um, because they, they knew that they were going to do a part two, uh, they didn't try consolidating any characters, as we talked about in the previous part of this. Uh, they d- this, this adaptation was missing some key characters that were in the original movie. Um, uh, and they weren't in this one, but they are. They have been casted for the next one, um, which I, I I like that they did that because originally I was like, oh, they're not gonna they're not gonna do these, but they are. So I'm glad they're doing that. Um, in general, it's basically just one to one. In a, in addition to like, you know, bringing this epic tale to the screen, n- never do you feel like you're being lectured to with like the lore, like you know. Uh, like another good scene is when uh, Paul he's going to the, the Dune, the, the the titular planet that the thing is named after, and he goes into the library and he starts doing research. And not only is Paul learning about the the Dune and its people, this is the way of the movie also explaining to you about these various customs and what the planet is like in a way that isn't just a ten minute lecture about a place. It's very succinct. It's very to the point. I will say. Well, that sounds like a pretty baller adaptation to me. On the top, I will say on the topic of Dune, Timothy Chalamet's face is scary. He looks like a Tim Burton animation in human form. <laughs> what like does he that looks mean? like the, he looks like the dude from The Corpse Bride in real life. I think I know. I think I know what you mean. Google it. Also, uh, Oscar Isaac, the man. goat. I love it. Oscar Isaac is such a good actor. Um, I love oh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he, he needs more kills roles it. and more things. He kills it every I was going to say they should have him in the MCU, and then I remembered. <laughs> Remember that he was Apocalypse, Sex about Apocalypse? Yeah, a, I forgive him. It's not his fault. Yeah, I know it's not his fault, but I forget about that. Oh, speaking of good makeup jobs, uh, I I saw this on the Discussing Film Twitter. Uh, They're doing a series about Boris Johnson, and they turn Kenneth Branagh into Boris Johnson, and it's like, it 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 looks like him. It's 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 terrifying, honestly. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? next Boris, Lord of the Rings. Who wants to talk about Lord of the Rings? You guys can talk about Uh, Lord of the Rings. About Lord it. of the Rings are so good. The movies are so good. The th- the way I'm... they frame shots to make hobbits small. All the all the the makeup work on the Uruk guy, and oh, it's just so good. All the miniature work. It's everything that I would want in a movie. If they made a movie for me, it would be Lord of the Rings. I think um, 
Yeah, they're, they're definitely amazing movies. I think I'll specifically talk about just the landmark filmography. It just everything about Lord of the Rings changed how movies were done after that. Mm-hmm. Because the only other really big, adap- not adaptation, the only other big fantasy trilogy that had ever been done was Star Wars. And Star Wars and Lord of the Rings together just completely fucking upended the entire landscape of film. Because Lord of the Rings in particular was the only adaptation of a giant, big fantasy novel series that had ever been done. Not only that, it wasn't just successful. It just completely fucking rocked the world of film. It looked I will amazing. say, yeah. if you want to learn about how they made those movies, there are multiple, I think multiple, episodes on VFX Artist React by corridor yes. digital yeah no they have tons of, they have tons of videos on it it's so interesting because cgi didn't really exist even like in the 90s like to the extent that it is now so most yeah. of the like panning shots of locations they're miniatures right are miniatures and even then like they had to create their own software for the battle of helms deep to yeah render out realistic they basically made a video game to fight battles with AI to to make Helm's Deep look realistic. Yeah, it was one of the first movies to use an AI to actually create uh, characters. I think it's the first made the, the first major uh, background characters are just CGI ever because every Uruk yeah. in the Battle of Helm's Deep has its own AI. Every single Uruk is doing its own unique set of animations in mm-hmm. that battle that's why it's so fucking amazing what they did with not that. to mention that Gollum, i to my knowledge Gollum is one blows of my mind today the, one of the I, first like mo-capped um i would argue the first truly successful mo-cap character mo, mo, yeah successful mo-cap cgi character it's um i mean he just looks amazing he looks like he could be from a movie today that's how good Gollum looks in lord of the ring trilogy he wouldn't be like the best CGI character today. That's for sure. We've we've gone past Gollum, but Gollum would still be acceptable today. And for a character that is so far from the past, that's mind-boggling. Just totally mind-boggling. Um it, there's not much else to be said on Lord of the Rings honestly. It's just it's just amazing. It's it's one of the best adaptations ever uh made from one of the best uh, fantasy novels ever made uh literally just set the landscape for how fantasy is done today movies oh yeah absolutely phenomenal blade runner i haven't seen any of those was blade runner All an right, I can... yeah of uh, sure. uh, uh do androids dream of electric sheep by philip k dick i didn't know it was an adaption of that i'll be honest i've yeah. just seen blade yeah, runner so... in 2049 yeah, most people don't know about the the original book um, also, because you brought up CGI characters, uh, I think CGI characters peaked with uh, the purple man himself, Thanos. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, you say that, 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 but there, isn't, there, isn't there that funny monkey guy? I forgot his name. Oh, Caesar? Caesar? From... Yeah, Caesar. Who from Rise a, of the yep. Planet of the War, yeah, the, he, ad, he, the Rise of the Adaptation. He's also played by the guy who plays Gollum, Andy Serkis. Yeah, I do, Caesar, I do yeah. know that. Caesar is 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 also very good, but I mean, like, 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 in terms of like, I I, I put I took a man and not like, um, 
I, I think... monkey human some but like i mean like like a guy like thanos is like in okay. fairness in fairness All to michael's right. point in fairness to michael's point i think um caesar looks more quote-unquote real than thanos does but it's also worth noting we've been doing fur and hair calculations for fucking god knows how long we did those for yeah no movies I... 20 years ago and yeah. we were doing really yeah, good no, I, of course of course i know about that part yeah, yeah. I, I was just right. throwing that in because... i think caesar's face has a little bit of uncanny valley for me i think he's that's a because monkey. it's a chimp i think that's because it's a chimp. he's got chimp he face but he but he has andy circus face too so it's kind of like a little blade weird runner talk about yes, blade yeah. runner uh all right so yeah boy uh there was also adapted as a blade randy 2049 all right well, we already have an episode on that we don't need that i love yeah, blade yeah, randy yeah no we're not gonna talk about blade randy as a as an adaptation no! <laughs> okay so <clears throat> Blade Runner, um, I th- I think is a rare case, uh, because most most book people will tell you, um, that like, oh yeah, the book was better. Most people will tell you that the movie was better for Blade Runner, and I think that's very much true. Um, they took like the core elements of that original, um, story and turned it into something, uh, more thematic and more like, um. What do you call it? Um, uh, it basically, it basically <laughs> improved on anything that made the original great. Like, like the character of Roy Batty, the villain played by Rucker Howard, does not exist in the original novel. And actually, Rucker Howard is so good in that movie. Oh yeah, and you know the 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 there are sequels to do Android to do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, uh, they're they're not by Philip K. Dick. They were given by to another guy named K. W. Jeter by. Uh, dick and basically he just adds like the stuff from blade runner and puts it back into like do androids uh dream of electric sheep um mm-hmm. really just all around it's it, it's an amazing movie i highly recommend every, everybody go see it especially like if you like cyberpunk fiction um Mm-hmm. You know, it's one yeah. of those movies where, like, oh yeah, it's a masterpiece. It's a, it's a legend. It's a inspiration for everybody, and it actually does, like, you know, live up to that reputation. Ripley's, even Ripley now, Scott is just so good at making things that are good, except for and like, yeah, except for like, you know, Alien Covenant. I mean, The Martian was good. He made The Martian, didn't he? Yeah, but that's also another book adaptation. Uh huh. That's true. And he I'm did talking, a good about, job I'm talking about Ridley Scott's more recent, more recent original projects. That's not an adaptation of something where he's limited by you know what he can do because he's trying to adapt. He made House of Gucci. What the yeah, fuck? He did. <laughs> Why? I'm gonna featuring my I'm favorite gonna actor, Jared Leto. I want to put a, up, a small mention in here. Uh, we should. If we were actually a a good uh, good filmographists here, uh, we would mention The Godfather in great detail. Fucking amazing movie! Just that's I have nothing say. to say about The Godfather that isn't just the most generic conversation about The Godfather. That's ever just I've never it's, seen it's, it it's and I've never read the original. So you've never the Godfather is good. That's that's you, it. It's just good. It's just a. It's, good it's really film. good. It's a, it, it's was, like it was it was made movie. so well that the that the mob was afraid of it. 
The mob got upset because they thought that it was going to make them look like savages and was threatening the directors. Yeah, I think they they had to come to a deal about it at some point to like. Mm-hmm. They're ma- apparently they're making a, they're making a movie about it from what I saw, which is cool, I guess. Um, no, it's a it's a series on the creation. It's on Paramount. Yeah. Okay. A series on the creation. My bad, Sergio. Fuck you. Yeah. Anyways, I. It's, I uh, it's just a long movie with a bunch of sections. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, if you're on Paramount Plus, you should probably watch that instead of uh, John Halo. We'll get to you. We'll get to your comment. Is Blade Runner 2049 an adaption, or is it just like its own thing? It's it's mm. its own thing. It's not adapting anything. It's a you know it's a sequel to Blade Runner. Uh, it's not it's not adapting any of the like the 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 electric sheep sequels that are just named like Blade Runner two, Blade Runner three, Blade Runner four. It's really good though. It is really good. Yes. And I will um, then I segue into uh, GOT uh, seasons one through four, which are adaptions of a Game of Thrones, uh, a Storm of Swords, and a Clash of Kings. I said those out of order. Um, basically, beat beat by beat um, adapt- adaptations. I think each episode adapts like I'll say fifty pages go into one episode or something like that. Um, uh, just uh, amazing television, amazing uh, adaptations. Um, uh, one interesting thing that I found is that they didn't have a lot of budget to do some of the battles. So they would give like specific reasons, like why you don't like see them. Like there's a battle that Tyrion participates in, uh, for example, he gets uh, knocked out uh, at the beginning of the battle, and when he wakes up, it is over. But you actually see him fight in it in the book. But they were like, oh, we don't have the budget for this, but we don't want to cut it out of the story because it's important, so we'll leave it in. Um, uh, other than that, I, uh, oh, amazing casting, amazing costuming. Uh, it's, it's Game of Thrones. Uh, everybody and their mother has seen it. Um, I saw it with my mother. It is always a, uh, awkward thing to watch Game of Thrones with your parents. Uh, but, uh, good show. Good, good all around. Oh yeah. They also aged up a lot of the characters because, you know, you can't show, uh, a 10 year old getting essentially raped by a, a savage, um, no bueno. Uh, everybody had yeah, to age yeah. up. All right. Uh, next, we have uh, Sonic. Sonic. Uh, the tw- Sonic the movie. Yeah, Sonic the, the head. Sonic the Hedgehog. Is that the yeah, movie? Sonic, Sonic, Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog, twenty twenty. Yeah. Yep. Specific. We. I remember seeing that on Valentine's Day because I'm single and have been for several Michael, years now. I was now. there. <laughs> I was there too. Yeah. It was a yeah. Day I know. Between the three of us. Wow. Yeah. I'm not counting it. It counts. I'm not counting it. So this anyway. one's kind of a. I'd say this one is kind of hard to explain because, like, the story of the movie isn't a very good adaptation of the Sonic story, but the adaptation of the character of Sonic and Doctor Eggman are both very good adaptions of both of them. Jim Carrey sure is mm-hmm. incredible. He definitely. Yeah. Also, did. just loves being an Eggman. Uh-huh. The, the the idea of war crime Eggman is the funniest thing to me. That was my favorite part of bringing Robotnik into like the real life where they're just like, uh, oh yeah, I forgot. They fucking say that he obliterated the government of Azerbaijanistan. <laughs> and then the guy's like, that country isn't real. And he's like, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say as somebody who doesn't really like 
care for Sonic. Like the only like Sonic game I actually like have any warm memories of outside of like Mania because Mania is a good game is Sonic Heroes. But like I've always had the idea. I always know like what Sonic, Sonic is. At, dude, I love Sonic Heroes. Dude, I know I who Sonic, Sonic Heroes is. is at, a like six out of ten. I know who Sonic is as a character. Like we are when all I think Sonic when, Heroes. We are all Sonic Heroes. When I picture Sonic, I picture him as being kind of childish, but it's like it's it's always in like a very endearing way. He's energetic. He's snarky. Like there there has to be a like he he's just a charming guy. He's a charming guy who likes to run fast and kick ass. And the the thing that like I probably kind of like see the most in sonic tends to be more from like the fan perspective of like how sonic acts oh god rather than the actual games oh, i'm god. not talking about that I, i'm talking specifically like the way that like the way that i've seen sonic and the way that i feel like i understand sonic a lot is just because i have i, I i'm kind of like been surrounded by sonic as like a franchise and like i kind of get it like the the character in the movie like when i saw it i was like yeah, that's Sonic. Maybe not the weird CGI face he had before, but when he when he got the new look, that was Sonic to me. Yeah, the original trailer. Oh boy. Oh howdy. That's like film history right there for fucking. Apparently, how, saving how, apparently they're going to be using uh, making a reference to that design in that new um, Chip and Dale uh, Rescue movie. Rangers movie, which I have yeah. no cool. interest in seeing. Despite I don't think anyone the, does. It's, it's made by the Lonely Island, so it can't be that bad. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. My th- my thing is like, um, I, I, I still am like that kind of person who's like, I, I really want to have like an alternate version. I want to see what it would look like to have the weird Uncanny Valley Sonic just there. But like, I get. I'm glad that they changed it, and I will say. Not not so much as an adaptation, but something that like I, I just still think is funny is I had a conversation with a Sonic fan about what they would do with Sonic 3. And they're like, oh, well, it's going to have Metal Sonic. And I was like, do you know anything about Sega? You know they're putting that Shadow Hedgehog Man in there. Sega fucking I hates think, Metal Sonic. I think they will probably have both. Because it feels to me yeah. like if you're gonna, they're going to at least make a reference to Metal Sonic. Um... I'm just curious to see if it, if it continues to get better because I think Sonic 2 has just been ubiquitously known as a better movie than the first Sonic. When is Sonic yeah, because it folk... streaming? So, here's, the th- here's the funny thing about uh, Sonic t- uh, and Sonic 2. People are like, oh my god, I love Sonic 2. Oh yeah, there's that human part in it. Uh, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like... When it's about Sonic and the Sonic characters being the characters, it's fun. And like I I've been always like on that side where I'm like, if they're gonna do anything, if they're gonna bring in Shadow, they're just gonna do a, a, like a loose adaptation of Sonic Adventure 2. One of the most beloved Sonic games by the fandom and by basically everyone is just that game. And like you can't go yeah, it's, it's I'm, I have not played it yet, but like I know about Sonic Adventure too. Uh, every, like there isn't a soul in the world that doesn't know about the glory and grace that is Sonic Adventure Two. That's besides the point. Yeah, Sonic Adventure Two fucked my yeah. wife. Sonic, <laughs> the the like Sonic the movie 
is not an ad- a good adaptation of the story, but it's a great adaptation of the character. But you know what is a good adaptation of stories? Lego games. I fucking love Lego games. They Specifically, made the Star Wars uh, Super Trilogy better. I mean, they could have just removed it, but like, I, they 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 probably had restrictions, you know. <laughs> they probably had to do it. Uh, I I mean, I played through Skywalker Saga. I'm still playing through it. I enjoy it, but you can you can tell very specifically when they're being a little like when they're poking fun of the movies. They poke a lot of fun at the sequel trilogy, and it is great. Yeah. Anyways, yes. but like more so on the games themselves, there's plenty of people have discussed like how great an adaptation is but like you don't really get to appreciate that until you actually sit down and play it you get all the same you get all the beats from the movies uh minus the complete saga uh revenge of the sith because that had a lot of deleted scene stuff in there too because uh that was the basic like first uh that was the first time you actually got to see revenge of the sith outside of the theater was in Lego Star Wars, which I think is honestly kind of funny. Yeah, they used an unfinished version of the script to adapt it. Yeah, it's cool. But, like, you know, you look back on it, you're just like, wow, I can appreciate this for being a good adaptation of the story of Star Wars because if you watch Star Wars and you play the game, you know exactly what they're adapting and what they're, you know, poking fun at. That's the that's the good thing about Lego like Lego games is when they adapt a franchise, they poke a little fun at it because everything deserves a little fun poking. But overall, the story itself, all the beats that you expect from that story are kept and maintained, but still given a lot of flavor and its own little Lego charm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are we skipping Moon Knight? I'm assuming we're skipping Moon Knight because we want to talk about it in an episode. Uh, we'll we'll give the the brief the brief uh the, uh, the Spark Notes version on the the Moon Knight discussion. Uh, great, wonderful, good adaptation of the of the show. Uh, first season was a little rough in some spots, but the first uh outing of the character should hook me to go. Okay, I need this guy with my other characters. I want to see what he's doing in his next season. Um, room for improvement is always is always wanted. Um, on a on a first go, your I first go like... doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to it needs to catch your eye. Um, in my I'll opinion, I'll need to. I think we'll we'll want to do more research on what the actual Moon Knight comics are like when we do the full episode on it. I, I get the feeling that if I really was like a Moon Knight Stan fan, just loved Moon Knight, I would not have enjoyed the show as much as I did. Um. I'm a big Moon Knight fan, and I still enjoyed the show a lot. I feel like I feel like it's fair to state though that the show doesn't really do it's it's very much an MCU type of storyline where it's just it's, it's just kind yeah, of taking it, the it does a lot of characters. things different. Yeah, yeah, like it does reference other runs, and it does I think very good references. Probably the most famous one is um any of the asylum scenes. Those yes. are I think very good. Without giving them uh, without giving too much away, since Michael hasn't seen the show. Yeah, uh, I can I can recommend it. I think it is enjoyable. Um, sadly, I must say that the finale, like the other MCU shows, has been a bit lacking. I don't know why we keep having problems with MCU show finales, but we did with this one. Um, it became more generic as it went on. I think if you'd isolated like the first uh, two episodes of this show and you kept those on their own through line and you compared them to what we have in this universe, uh. The first two episodes 
with whatever they would have concluded with if they'd kept that same direction. I think that would have been really, truly off the charts fantastic. I think it had the potential to be like Daredevil levels of good. It, 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 it really makes me mad that they cut the rest of the Jackal fight out of that episode. I feel like cutting the Jackal fight was fine, though, because it actually like you see nothing of the rest of the um well i don't know i feel like you could have included it and it would have been fun but i think not including it also was fine metro 2033 is up next metro 2033 is such a good video game that is an adaption of a book and a lot of people don't know that even though there's posters (laughs) for the book all over the game (laughs) everywhere there's literally posters in the game where you can look at the wall and it's, a, it's got a picture of the book, and it says, buy the book in stores now. Like, it's, it's so on the nose. And the book is different than the game story-wise. Artyom is a silent protagonist in the game. Obviously, in the book, he is not, because how do you have a silent protagonist in a book? That doesn't really make sense. But the thing that the game adapts the best... Besides the characters that aren't RTM, because silent protagonist, I can't really call it a bad adaption. It's just different. Is the Metro itself? The Metro feels as alive as it does in the book. It feels like its own character. It's a very lively place. It's very different than how society would be normally, obviously. And you can feel it as much in the game as you do in the book. It's a lot more action-oriented, but it's also horror-oriented, I guess. Horror elements are there, too. The The dark ones are a lot more prominent, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think they make a unique enemy type. The story is interesting. There's multiple endings for, the, uh, for Metro 2033, the game which I think is interesting, taking a book and giving it multiple endings um, in video game adaption. It's, it's, it feels very alive. The world makes sense. And it's just it's a lot of fun. If you haven't played Metro 2033, I highly recommend picking up Redux, the remake of it. It's, it's just so much fun. It's such a good game. I've never um, played or read anything of Metro, but I can say anybody who's ever read the books and played the games has loved both tremendously. Uh huh. And uh, I'm I've, I've never heard a bad thing about it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Not anything substantial, at least I should say. Play it with English subtitles and Russian voices. It's the authentic experience. Based. I don't know what twist it is. So who is Buddy, my brother what? in Christ, my brother in Christ. Do you like Aladdin? Yeah, it's all right. Do you like musicals? Yeah. Do you know about this uh this there's this one musical. What's it called? Uh oh, Wicked. Wicked. You know the premise of Wicked, right? Yeah. Yeah, do that for Aladdin. With That's with, Twisted. With Jafar? Yeah, so Twisted is a Star Kid musical, which oh, is Oh, okay. I'm already it's interested. A, yeah, it's it's a good ass musical. So let me tell you why it's so good. Wait, Twisted is not. Oh, wait, what? before you do, can we explain to those who don't know what Star Kid is? What Star Kid? Okay. Is? Yeah. Yeah. So go. I, I'll let you go ahead because I'm pretty sure you know a little so bit Star more about Star Kid. Star Kid is a group of entertainers who uh who 
who are they're comedians and they're musicians and they're like improv theater kids who write their own musicals and go viral basically um if you've ever heard of a very potter musical it's a really popular musical oh yeah um, that one they Wasn't made Austin all McConnell involved with that or is that a different uh, one he was involved with i think so uh, yeah i believe so um they made a very Potter musical. They made a. They made, holy musical Batman. Yes, that's the one with the, uh, uh, or should I call you Butthead? And then Batman screams. That's that's the one for those of you who don't know. That's that's one of their musicals. Mm, yeah. Okay. They make so, a lot of good shit. Yeah. Um, they're they're very funny. And as somebody who has watched a few of their other musicals, their music can be kind of hit or miss. There, there's some that are absolute bangers, like uh, We Gotta Get Back to Hogwarts. And there's some that are kind of misses, like Holy Musical Batman, the uh, the actual intro song to that. Uh-huh. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. They so, are... Twi- um... They, they are all amateurs, like not not amateur, really. I shouldn't say amateur, but they're all they're not pro, like they're not professionally done Broadway professionals, at least one yeah. at, at the time of most of the things they wrote. Some of them went on to do better, like bigger things. But yeah, but long story short, so Twisted is the so Wicked itself is basically like the the what I like to call the Disney effect where they take where they take a villain like Cruella, and they try to make her sympathetic. Or I, I wouldn't say Joker because Joker is a different story. But basically, like what Disney did with Cruella, where they took the Wicked Witch and they made her sympathetic and they wrote a whole Broadway musical about her because everyone knows the story of the Wizard of Oz, so they did a different spin on the perspective. Twisted is a, not only a parody, but a sort of... Uh, callback or an adaptation of Wicked, but to also be an adaptation of Aladdin, where instead of focusing on Aladdin and his story, if you watch the, you have to watch the Aladdin movie before you watch Twisted. It's a spin where Aladdin's kind of the bad guy, and you like, you don't really realize it while watching Aladdin because it's like, oh well, he's a charming guy. No, in in Twisted, it's 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 completely different. And the fun part about Twisted, the part that I really like, is that all the songs are genuine bangers. And also that it it does something that I really, really like, is that the there is a bit of like a subtext to Twisted. The subtext to Twisted, which is very on the nose, is about Disney during the time where they were looking to get Pixar. During Michael Eisner and that whole spiel about what happened with Disney. And they're as as I said, they're very on the nose about it because it's kind of the whole premise of the story. Jafar is like the royal vizier, and instead of it being about Agrabah, it's about the Magic Kingdom, you know, Disney. And they're looking to extend their trade uh, their trade deal with the neighboring kingdom of Pixar, and they do a lot of really smart things to kind of lift and enhance the source material of Aladdin. Like they took that, you remember that one scene where like that Prince is walking, is storming out of the castle after Jasmine basically uh, sick the tiger on him. And mm-hmm. he's got like his little heart underwear. Uh, they, they made him into an actual character. They made that into a bit of a running joke uh, about like what happened with the tiger. And my favorite part is that the genie, is like 
it's still kind of like the genie, but it's more in context of like the universe. Because if you met somebody who just spouted a bunch of random things that you don't understand, like a bunch of references to stuff you don't understand, you'd be very confused. Like imagine you're just like chilling and you're about like you're in this like very like normal you're having a very normal day and this guy just starts making quips and looking away at like a quote unquote audience hoping for a laugh. Th- that's what they did with the genie and it's kind of brilliant. A lot of what makes Twisted so good is the subtext and the substance of the actual adaptation that makes it into a good, not only a good parody, but also its own sort of beautiful adaptational musical. And if you haven't watched Twist, uh, haven't watched it, Twisted, please fucking do. It is unanimously agreed upon, basically by everyone who is a fan of Starkid musicals, that it is one of the greatest Starkid musicals to date. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I just want to ask before we before we talk about it, who put How to Train Your Dragon? Was that a Michael uh, post? That was a me. Because How I, to Train Your Dragon isn't really an adaptation. Yeah, I was gonna say if we're talking about How to Train Your da- a, a Dragon as an adaptation, I vehemently disagree. And it being a good adaption. The, the re- I was I was kind of iffy on it when we were uh, building out the and like when I was adding things to the list because when I when I joined in the discussion I basically knew fucking nothing on this list, so I wanted to add a few things I could actually talk about. Well, and we were discussing based, I think what counts. I think what we were we were. It was an adaptation of a book, but it's such a. You know ad- what? The, if the, we can put the main the thing we one here. I think Train Your Dragon can be discussed. I'm curious. I've never read the book. Look, if we're putting fucking Arcane on here, I think we could put out a Train Your Dragon on here. Are you, uh, were you and Jacob I just, that's, on that's that? That's fucked up. That's fucked up. That? No, that was me and Sergio. That was you and Sergio. Arcane, okay. Arcane isn't ad- more of an adaptation to How to Train Your Dragon. Fuck you, my dog's bark. No, I I heavily disagree. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm curious to hear about How to Train Your Dragon. So, How to Train Your Dragon, the book itself, is such a fucking weird fever dream if you've seen the movie first, because it's so fucking different. Like, Toothless the Dragon, when you picture a Night Fury as something you can ride, Toothless is a baby dragon throughout the entirety of How to Train Your Dragon, the novel. Mm-hmm. And then there is a the lot movie of... just makes him toothless because that's his species thing. Yeah, yeah, that, they change a lot. That's an of... understatement. That's an understatement. To what there, there is so many changes done for the movie that it's basically How to Train Your Dragon name alone. In in the book, that's... Toothless is the dragon equivalent of a garter snake. He's literally like the least like wanted or useful dragon. He al- he also talks in the book. Ah, that would be that would be interesting. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon is a very different it's a name alone basically it's hard to call it like a true adaptation but i'm gonna say on record here uh as somebody who has at least read the first book i definitely prefer the movie version just because it's artistic like don't get me wrong they both are like really good on their own merits but comparing them is like comparing apples to oranges you're either gonna prefer apples or you're gonna prefer oranges All I'm saying is that uh, at least they kept some parts of the story, like Hiccup and, and Toothless. Whereas um, I, I, 
if you told me that uh like i i don't count arcane as an adaptation because it's yeah it's it's adaptation of the lore but it's not adapting anything directly outside of like backstories and it's and still it's and still like it's that. still a league of legends adaptation you're you're ta- you're taking I a, a don't and putting in another another thing i i don't fully agree with that i i i personally would consider it just sort of like it's like um you know like the the high republic books uh-huh. or like the thrawn trilogy i just consider it like expanded material that's how I see it. Hmm. Um, my thoughts on that. Uh, well, the plot of Arcane already existed before the show came out. It's just that they they updated it for Modern League and they they adapted it in an animation. I'm not an Arcane. I'm not a lo- League it, it, lore it, professional. It it also was was also another thing of like, he, here are these characters give like 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 do your own thing with them rather than like, like the Thrawn trilogy or like the other Star Wars books where it's not it's you know it's it's just continuing the mythos like Ar- arcane is here's yeah that's here's here's my here's my other uh argument would you consider rogue one an adaptation no cuz we it, it's but it's rogue... lo- but 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 we're using the it, I'll use your same argument but we're using we're using stuff that's already been established, and we're but adapting it, it into a not, movie. Yeah, but it's it's an adaption of the lore. It's not just the lore copy and pasted into a TV show. They, not to they, mention it's moving. They change it around. Oh well, I mean, there's we we don't know <laughs> anything about lore about Rogue One. We just know that they, you know, got the Death Star plans. Okay, yeah, but, but it's Rogue a new Star you're Wars adapting movie. that. It's not Rogue One was also screen. As someone who's played League of Legends for longer than you've all been alive and in diapers, I would like to give my opinion. That's true. That's true. Matt is a diaper. Matt, please inform them that it's an adaptation. So League of Legends lore has been in complete fucking tornado turmoil since day one. Uh, I remember back in the days of League of Legends when you could literally just read your character's lore when you started the game. That was how short it was that you could just read that part of your character's history before the fucking game started. And every character's lore has been like fucking just fucking changed up at every point in time. And currently, uh, Arcane, the the backstory behind Arcane uh, production-wise is a lot of people are pretty sure that Riot is trying to make a fucking MMO out of the world of League of Legends that they've got going on right now. Well, we know and, they're um, doing that. We just are assuming that it's going to be based on Arcane. Yeah, I mean, it would surprise me if it wasn't based on Arcane at all. But um, if we can, l- let me let me put it this way: the MCU is definitively an adaptation. It's not a super close one, and I would say it's got many elements of just doing its own stories entirely. But it's it's still an adaptation at the end of the day. And with how tumultuous the League of Legends lore has been over its entire lifespan, I would say Arcane can be called an adaptation of a kind. I don't think it's a definitively an adaptation. Like certainly I would not say Arcane is an adaptation in the same way that Scott Pilgrim is an adaptation. Those are different concepts entirely. 
but Arcane is taking characters from a pre-established franchise that is not of the same medium that Arcane is in. These are video game characters now in a TV show format. So I think it's, yeah, I would say it's an adaptation. Isn't Rogue One also an adaptation of a, of a legend? I, I was story? actually going to, I was at, uh, Matt, I would like to use an, an analogy, if you will, if you agree with me. Arcane is not a translation, it is a transcription of the characters to screen. Uh, I think that's, that's fair, fair enough, because yeah. there's, there's just not really yeah. a story to adapt in the first place with a lot of them, that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah mm. see, that I can agree, I would agree more with that. I wouldn't say it's, because to me, I've always seen it as supplementary material. Like, if you enjoy League, and you want to consume more stuff that's in the universe of League, you could just watch Arcane. And I know Arcane is praised a lot, but I, I just don't see it as anything other than just something that you can enjoy that's also just so happens to be related to League of Legends. Well, in, in a lot of ways, though, that's kind of what an adaptation is supposed to be, isn't it? I mean, people are supposed to be able to enjoy the Sonic movies without ever playing Sonic video games. The same thing is true of the MCU and the, the Marvel comics. That's I mean, that's why people do adaptations at all, is so that you grab the people who aren't even interested in the primary media because you want you want a bigger audience i mean you would never do an adaptation if you didn't want to grab a bigger audience in some in some capacity that that's fair and also arcane is so good arcane is if you haven't seen arcane sergio i know you haven't seen arcane i have not seen i'm like halfway through i haven't seen seen it arcane is so unreasonably good Oh, Arcane is quite I... is is quite literally one of the best adapt like adaptations adaptions whatever you want whatever you want to shut up of anything I've ever seen. Also, I, I, just... I have to. Ar... What's up? Uh, Arcane has one of my my favorite new tropes is when the people who sing the theme song are characters in the work and they seem that they they sing the theme song. No, I hate that. No, I hate. I hate Imagine Dragons. So that I love Imagine Dragons. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding? All right, all right. I'm never watching this show because you said it had Imagine Dragons in it. I'm fucking. I don't like Imagine Dragons. I don't care. It's so good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you can have the skip intro button in Netflix. I'm not watching. I guess everyone on this podcast wants to be my enemy. Sergio, can you can you pause real quick? My mom needs me. Yeah. Okay, fellas, let's finish this off by talking about Sonic Boom. Yeah. Man, oh, yeah, Sonic we, Boom. We kind of skipped ahead to Arcane on accident. Um, Sonic. Boom I didn't even get. Is... I didn't even get to say what I wanted to say about Arcane because we were too busy arguing about whether or not it was an adaptation. So Sonic Boom. Ar- well, you can finish what you can finish your thought. Yeah, go ahead. Arcane is. I'd say more than just a, a, a good adaption. Uh, Arcane is unironically one of the best pieces of media I've ever consumed, just in general. Some hmm. of the scenes in Arcane are downright phenomenal. Like, the best I've ever seen in animation. There is I don't think Sergio's gotten this far, so I'm going to keep it as vague as possible. There's a fight scene, I think, in episode 6 or 7 between two characters um 
that's it there's not any dialogue it's completely sort of it's kind of like a music video more than it is just like a traditional fight but it is so good like one of the best Art. scenes in the entire series you said episode six i think so yeah is that is that the one where Vi knees the girl who's like at the at the bar and no the no no, it it's that? um, I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched it. Um, I don't want to spoil it in case you've seen it, or you ha- you haven't seen it. But it's it's a fight that Jinx fights, but with another character. I probably haven't seen it done. It's on a bridge. I know Maybe what I've you're talking it? about, and I haven't seen it. It's such a good it's it, it's such a good scene. It's it's insane. Michael, as an as an animation connoisseur, I shame you. I shame. This is official beefing shame okay. for not having seen Arcane. You you will you just visually alone. You would love it. Let me let me tell you why I chose to not watch it for so long. Start off with the obvious: it's League of Legends. Second of all, uh. If I remember correctly, there was some pretty bad uh, crunch and underpayment for the employees. Not to mention uh, a lot of the lawsuits with Riot, so I didn't feel like supporting them. That's that fair. was the main I'm... reason. That's the main reason I haven't seen it. It is something I'm... that is on my to watch list at some point. But if I'm gonna watch it, it's probably not gonna be through legal means. It's on, that's fine. It's, it you shouldn't give Netflix money anyways. Say, but I, I, I usually don't care about that stuff enough to stop me from enjoying the medium. I mean, I, I like good mediums here and there, but if, you know, it's League of Legends, and I don't like League of Legends. I've had bad memories of League of Legends. I, I will say, though, I don't topic like of the, either. off-topic of the, uh, of the League discussion, I think it's incredibly funny that the homophobic individual that I used to be... Uh, companions with uh the character that they played in league is now a homosexual and has been canonically made homosexual and i think that's incredibly funny who why no um caitlin he's a he's or, a card oh, guy card guy twisted fate yeah twisted fate yeah guy. twisted fate is gay now matt what it's it, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, there's a gay there's some... a gay emote for twisted fate now yeah, I just think it's cathartic. Anyways, back to the discussion. Sonic Boom. I don't understand Sonic Boom. The game is so Sonic, shit. Sonic but the Boom, show is so good. Sonic Boom the show is like Seinfeld with Sonic characters. That's Sonic a really, really ha- good description. Yeah. yeah, Sonic Boom is what happens when the prequel to your series is a video game and it's not received well at all. However, Sega doesn't care, and they're just like, all right, whatever. You can just, as long as, you know, it's good and it doesn't insult <laughs> anyone, you can do it. The thing about Sonic like, Boom is the characters have almost nothing compared to, I think I think the only thing that's really, like, mainline Sonic canon is Tails, Sonic, and Eggman. Almost everybody else is just their own version of the character. And they're all mm-hmm. just fucking hilarious it's just wonderful from beginning to end eggman and sonic especially their voice actors have so much fun being sonic and eggman they um they referenced fucking gilva sunner on a podcast 
I can't remember how, when, where, or why yeah. or what the context even was, but it was so fucking funny when it happened. I'm not a big Roger Craig Smith Sonic fan. I'm very picky about my Sonic voices. But I think he's really good in Boom. I think he fits Boom's tone better than any other any other Sonic voice could. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. It feels like it's written for him, as opposed to the games, which are kind of just like him being Sonic in the games. The games' writings have been... Jason Griffith will, will always be my Sonic. Playing all that Super Smash Bros. Brawl. I'm going to be honest, I don't understand how Sonic fans can dislike a voice of Sonic, but maybe that's just me. I don't dislike the his voice. I don't think he's a bad voice of Sonic. I just, he is not my there preferred. Are there are better. Roger Craig Smith Roger Craig Smith has a voice of like an adult man when he does Sonic. Which Sonic is 14, so it doesn't really work for me. I don't think it's bad. I don't think his voice is bad by any means. I love Roger Craig Smith as Sonic. He's just my least least favorite out mm-hmm. of the three prominent Sonic voices, which is Griffith and Ryan Dr- Ryan Drummond. Is it Ryan Drummond or Brian Drummond? Because those are two different voice actors. Ryan. Are you sure? I thought Brian Drummond was Ocean Vegeta. Oh, oh wait there there are two there are two men that yeah. I have no idea here. Yeah, Ryan Drummond. Is Sonic the Hedgehog. Brian with a B Drummond is Vegeta in the Dragon Ball Z Ocean dub. Two very different people. But the, the point is, I love Brian Dr- or, I, Ryan Drummond at Sonic. He's an amazing Sonic. He's, you know, Heroes Sonic, Adventure Sonic. The 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 four kids cast of Sonic voice wise is hit or miss at some points, but overall I think they're they're like my they're like my Sonic voice because I grew up with them. You know what I mean? I'm, it's absolutely a hundred percent bias, incredibly biased, but I love it. Maybe it's just like I can't really tell the differences and maybe it's just because like uh to me sonic is like in the same sort of vein as like mickey mouse where it's like yeah they all sound like sort of different but like it's it's that character mm-hmm. cool like that's just it to me anyways but sonic sonic boom such a weird adaptation it's completely different from what other sonic media is just because it's sort of in its own like little world and what they did with it was so bizarre that I have to still question how the hell they got away with a lot of what they did. Uh-huh. Like they, had, they had like that, uh, they had a tapir that looked very similar to a very certain individual. Uh, thou who shall not be named, if you will. And it's not like they were hiding it. Like, it, it was sort of like one of those things where it's like, if you knew about it and you looked at it, you could immediately tell who it was. I was under, like, plausible denial. I, I was very iffy on that. I, like, I kind of believed them when they were like, no, this has nothing to do with Chris Chan. And I, like, I, uh, like, it to totally be honest, like, I kind of, maybe? Tot- there's no, the, 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 the blue arm jab 
makes it not a coincidence. The fact that they referenced, at least in another episode, like, like oh, they never should have made the hippo's legs purple. Like, yeah, they, they should have never made hippopotamus. Uh, they were definitely aware of it, and they definitely referenced that in particular. Hmm. Yeah. Either way, there, there's a lot of there's Sonic a lot Boom of weird things. Sonic Boom is just it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I've seen countless clips on YouTube of the few episodes that I did watch. They were also quite funny. I don't like Knuckles and Boom, though. I will say. To be fair, Knuckles has been kind of in a decline of a character writing for a while, so it doesn't really surprise I think me. They, I think we need to go back to adventure-style writing for Knuckles, where he's not just dumb, but he's also noble. He's not dumb, he's naive. Yeah. People just write him to be dumb. I think I think dedicated and honorable makes him much more palatable, no matter how, you, how else you write mm-hmm. him. Because, like, the reason he gets tricked by Eggman back in Sonic Adventure is because he thinks Eggman is the good guy, and that's, Sonic that's is the one who's... Sonic 3. Doing. That's Sonic 3. That's Sonic 3. Fuck you. That's also Sonic Adventure. No, it's not! Sonic Adventure... Ugh, you're making me so mad. Literally, how is that not Sonic Adventure? That's literally You're making me so mad. No, what happens in Sonic Adventure is that someone blows up the chaos... The, the, the Master Emerald... And then he sees Sonic with a Chaos Emerald and assumes it was him. Eggman wasn't involved. Try again, liberal. Quite sure Eggman was involved. Try again, liberal. I don't... From the from the bit of the Sonic chapter that I played where I got two Knuckles, I don't recall Eggman having anything to do with Knuckles and Sonic's beef. Mm, yeah, I'm, Knuckles is just an asshole in that game. Maybe I'm just remembering him being in that scene, because he was definitely in the scene when they beef. Yeah, because Chaos showed up, and he's like, ah, Yeah, because after, after they fight, Eggman takes the Chaos Emerald and gives it to Chaos. And he's like, oh, you, thanks for, he's like, thanks for the free Emerald. I could have sworn there was a scene where Eggman is voice acted, though, and he's talking to Knuckles. I don't think says, so. Yeah, no, Knuck- uh, Sonic is the one who's fucking shit up, too. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's so. A, it's a Sonic, I don't it's remember, a Sonic game. But I don't think so. Not that I know of. Yeah, well, that's that's our adaptation list of good adaptations that we like. Some very loose, and others not so much. Yeah. Some better, some. <laughs> that was so bass boosted. Thank you. It was, and it doesn't even have the same level of uh, in terms of intensity on the audio charts as Sergio even talking. True. <laughs> I feel like right, my I mic don't... is picking up quiet, but then I hear the episode, and I'm like, oh, no, it's normal. My yeah, wavelengths are just really editing. small. You know what's not Un- small? Unrelated to adaptations. Oh, no, no, this this is an adaptation-related thing. Uh, <laughs> Bruno Bucciarati's vo- Japanese voice actor is playing Morbius in the Japanese dub. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> it's Morbin time. <laughs> It's, it's morbid not morbid time. It's just, not morbid time. It's morbid time. We need to end morbid time, please. I I think Matt Smith very very badly needs a W. Can he, you he, name he does, he something need, that? I love Matt Smith. Oh, have you also na- Japanese have you, What is the JoJo? last good thing he's been in? Doctor Who. Japanese Joseph Joestar. Mm-hmm. Um. From part two is playing Matt Smith and Morbius. 
That's crazy. <laughs> it's gonna be a weird adaptation. I saw the I Morbius dancing watch, like... scene. Are we gonna end the episode? Yeah, no. we'll, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not until we're done talking Morbius about Morbius. <laughs> It'll be Morbin time after we finish the episode. How about that? It's Morbin time. So it's true. Morbin time. All right. It's Morbin time by Gamers.